Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Grumpy Old Game Men and Their Dogs. It is day 46 here in the Zen Room. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the effervescent Thomas Gibbons. Hey, but Thomas? <laughs> Did that throw you off? Keep going. <laughs> And we also have two special guests here tonight with us. We have here with us our guest, Matt Rosenberg. Matt Hello. Rosenberg. And Ms. Sheila. Hi. <laughs> That's Hi interesting, Ms. Sheila? Yeah, Sheila's good. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to your last name a little later. <laughs> wow, I am so intrigued by this. Yes. Okay. Anyway, we're all here today, and we're here for a very special occasion, for two special occasions, actually. But we're going to talk about the first one first, and that is, as of last Wednesday, the podcast reached its 1,000th download. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you and your enunciation. Right? Yeah. A thousandth. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are now heard on six continents, 21 countries... 34 U.S. states, one planet. <laughs> so far, know. that we know of. I had to think there for a minute. Yeah, 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 I got it. I'm slow. Yes, yeah, so today's our 24th episode. We've been going since our first episode was recorded August 31st of last year. Tommy, do you have any favorite moments from our podcast so far? <laughs> No. <laughs> None at all? No, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. I like the guests of fun. We have fun. It's silly. Yeah, it's yes, fun. It is. Six yes, continents it is. is kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, like, just crazy. We're, we're working on Antarctica. Is that the one you're missing? Is that yes, that's the only one we don't have Do they yet. have radio up? There? I'm sure they can download podcasts. Like, come on. Come on. They have to be by now. It's the 21st, so? it's the 21st century. century. Come on. Why not? Penguins with fucking iPhones? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? They all have Spotify. Oh. <laughs> Way to make the room awkward, Stephen. <laughs> Anyway, Tommy, are there any particular segments of the show that you like more than others? I do not like the birthdays. You don't like the birthdays, I don't, huh? I'm not crazy about the birthdays. No? Why is that? They're all dead. <laughs> not all of them. They're all dead. 80% of them are dead. <laughs> and it just seems like, 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 a, like a twist you're throwing in. Like, guess who this person is? And you pick people. The best was when Melody was here, because I would never have gotten those two bitches. Referring I, to Melanie Lipton. Melanie Lipton was guest host couple weeks ago and something about the birthdays and it was the guy who invented braille louis braille thank you and the other one who was the other one i don't remember the other one he was like these but she got them yeah but to me they seem like little gifts to yourself oh really (laughs) when i don't know who they are (laughs) so i hate that I hate that. I love this week in fascism, though. Oh, yes. One of our newer segments. Yeah, I like that one. That was yes, fun. And it's when celebrities saying stupid things, but, you know, you just got to be alive to enjoy that. <laughs> well, of course. That's, that's like shooting fish in a barrel. That's exactly Yeah, right. well, we have a big fish in the barrel this week. Oh, my oh, God. God. I can't wait to get to that one. But, Thomas, tell me, you have any particular... It's ep- Thomas. <laughs> it's not that it matters, it's my name. It's just odd to hear from you, the little leprechaun calling me Thomas. <laughs> 
Why is Steven still here? I'm kind of nervous. He's standing with his arms crossed. Well, because he's our producer of the show, and he's he here celebrating service. with us, you know? Okay, we so couldn't have done any of this I'm without here celebrating him. celebrating, and to count how many times I have to cut the C word out because you slipped. I haven't yet. <laughs> Not yet, yeah. but the night is young. We're only four minutes in. I only have a bottle. So, yeah. Um, okay. A thousandth episode. Good for us. Yes. Yay. Yeah. Oh. A thousand downloads. Downloads. <laughs> what is a thousand episodes? We'll be in the grave. Tell me about 34 states. Like, what is that? Is what do that, you mean? Like, are there just states that we're not going to, that nobody's going to ever download us in? Well, I guess there's 16 states that haven't listened to us yet. Or 16. But huh? we're spread all over. We're in the Northwest. We're in the South, the Deep South. We're in The Utah. Northeast. Yeah. We're in Texas. I mean... We're all over. We're in Alabama. In we are in Alabama. Yeah. I worry about Alabama. <laughs> I do. I worry about Alabama. I worry about Mississippi. I worry about Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's bad down there. You guys need to listen to us. Okay. <laughs> who's you who's guys? You guys. Mississippi, Alabama, the, that Bible Belt, South Carolina places. That, that, yeah. You know... I've been there. I know. I lived there. You did? I did. I lived in South Carolina for four years. Oh, my God. That was before you met me. Obviously. Yeah, I had a life. See, I did not know this. Okay, so crashing halt. I feel, I, you know, I want those people. I want those 16 states. What do we do? Marketing. Talk to our producer. Right next to your email address. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get right on it. But anyway, we want to give a proper welcome to our guests, Matt Rosenberg and Sheila Barksdale. Welcome, both of you. They are the co-directors of a play, make, I don't know if it's making its Long Island premiere or not, but it is, it's a Long Island premiere of a Lynn Nottage play called Intimate Apparel. Okay. It is running at the... Babylon Arts Council. Babylon Citizens Council on the Arts Center. So it's the Baca Center here in, on Long Island at Lindenhurst. Right. That's on Wellwood Avenue. North Wellwood Avenue. Right? Yes. North Wellwood Avenue. Theater Row. Down Theater Row. Yes, <laughs> Theater Row. It really is back in a few weeks. Yeah, exactly. And the show is running both this coming weekend and the weekend after that, correct? That's the correct. last show is on the 27th? Yes. And they're, they're, that's a matinee show, that's correct? That's a show, yes. Excellent, excellent. I hate when they end on matinees. And they all end on matinees. But I hate when they end on matinees. I don't like it. There's no, there's no, this, I don't know. Did we say this was theater critic hour? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to heavy petting. Yes, as a matter of fact, we're going to go into our very first segment, heavy I'm petting. Go, I'm going to work now. Uh, Goodbye, be gone Steven. before a house falls on you too. <laughs> I want to know about uh, I want to know about Lynn Nottage and I want to know about the play. Well, we're going to talk about more, more about that when we get to we like to watch. Oh, oh my God! It's so cubed and fucking exact. <laughs> Where are we now? You don't like putting us on a schedule and agenda. You no, just want like, to like wing it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But go ahead. We'll start, though, with our usual first segment of heavy petting. And today we're going to talk about how much we love our dogs. Thomas, you're a dog owner, correct? Well, apparently doing fourth grade homework. <laughs> <laughs> when you first... What? <laughs> when, you first, when you first saw Louie, was it love at first sight? Uh, oh, okay. So we're going to commit to this. Yeah, uh, I saw him online. It was a picture, and I said, yeah, he looks... Bad and rotten and, uh, you know, cuddly. I had a very strange experience, as you know, around getting Louie. Yes. The whole thing was very strange and stressful and awful. So it's an uncomfortable thing. But I love Louie. 
Well, you'll be happy to know that you're in a majority because in a survey (laughs) conducted for a dog grooming company, 82% of American dog owners said it was love at first sight when they first saw their dog. It's easy to fall in love at first sight with a dog, right? It's easy, especially if it's a puppy. Now, Matt, are you now, have you ever been a dog owner? Never have. Never? Never. Leave this room now. (laughs) (laughs) And Sheila, how about you? Grew up with dogs. You grew up with dogs. Every child had a dog. What kind of dogs? My dog was, her Her name was Twinkle, and she was part Beagle and part Chihuahua. Don't know how that happened. But, um, yeah. Wow. And then there were hound dogs in the group, because I grew up in the South. Of know, course, or, yeah. Hound dogs. Virginia. Blue Ridge Mountains. Okay. Yep. Country girl. So I love dogs. Excellent. Good. You you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you live with one now? No. Okay. I wish. Do you get to visit any? I come here and I visit Abigail von Poopy Pants. Yes. yes. Where is she in here? She's probably saying there's two fucking cracks in that room. I know, right? But where I can breathe. You know, I put her bed in the corner over there in case she uh, decides to join us. Uh, but uh, also in the survey, they said that there was a high percentage of Americans who found it love at first sight with a dog rather than their human partner, 77%. That's easy. Right? 25% said that they would die for their dog. Would you go that far? Would you die for your dog? It depends on the circumstance. Would I Would I run into the street and scoop him up and get him out of the way of an oncoming car? Yes. If that meant that I got hit by the car, then that was my impulse. Okay. Uh, would I, you take a bullet for him? Uh, yeah, I think it's just the <laughs> impulse. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's just a holy shit. You know, like it's that mom impulse or that dad impulse to save the vulnerable thing that's in the oncoming danger that it doesn't know about. Yeah. So that's that impulse. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I'd give a kidney. (laughs) (laughs) If that makes me horrible. uh... I don't think that's biologically possible, Tom. (laughs) I'm not here for that. Who knows what what bottom ass we'll talk with next? I don't know. I don't know. They can get me drunk. That's all. Thirty-six percent of the respondents said that their dog was their closest companion. That's well, I, I think that's a small number. I would think it would be higher than that. I right? would do, but I, I it's, it's you know that's a bunch of people who don't want to admit to their that their partner. Yeah, when they partner. answer the survey, their spouse was with right them. There. Oh no, honey, you're my closest companion. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess there's like families, people with children who get dogs, and you know they skew the numbers. Well, of course, right? Fucking families. <laughs> And then lastly, 46% of the respondents said that they spoil their dog more than their human partner. And that, yeah, I'm guilty of charge. Please, I I spoil my dog every day, you know, (laughs) every freaking day. It's too easy to spoil your dog. Of course it is. You can go anywhere and buy him a thing or a what or in every store there's something hanging you can bring home to the door. Oh my God, he'll love this. Yeah. yeah. Well, that works with Stephen, though, sometimes, too. <laughs> he likes shiny things that make noise. Yes, he yeah, does. With mm. <laughs> <laughs> a landing strip. Anyway, we now move on to what everybody knows is Tommy's favorite segment, Today's Birthdays. Mm-hmm. And being that this is Black History Month, mm-hmm. which we've been observing as well, I don't know if you've been reading our... Twitter or Facebook feeds. I've when been doing, I'm on every now and again, something I've been doing by. daily posts of fa- famous and not so famous African Americans. Whoever runs the podcast, whoever runs the 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 uh, social media account, yes, posted something that I puked on. Uh, what was that? I don't remember. It was probably something. <laughs> See, I'll have to go look for that. It was probably something Valentineish and romantic. Oh no and wonder! That's probably why. Yes, and, yeah. So I puked right on that. 
because couldn't find the poop emoji in time. Yeah, so you know, because you're the Valentine's Day Grinch. You came first, so. <laughs> but anyway, an observation of Black History Month, there's another birthday today. I bet this. You won't know his name, though, but I'm going to give you the person's name. His name is Brian Holland, and with his brother Eddie Holland, and another man named Lamont Dozier. Oh, I know. Do you know who they are, Sheila? Record producers, yeah. Yes, they are. They are not only the producers, but they wrote the music, and their music, which basically defined the Motown sound yeah. of the 60s. Mm-hmm. Songs such as? Songs such as by Martha and the Vandellas, uh, Heat Wave, Jimmy Mack, and Nowhere to Run, Marvin Gaye's Can I Get a Witness, and How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You, by the Supremes, almost our whole catalog, basically, Where Did Our Love Go, I Hear a Symphony, Stop in the Name of Love, Baby Love, Back in My Arms Again, You Can't Hurry Love, You Keep Me Hanging On, and Reflections. For the Four Tops, they wrote Bernadette, which I love Bernadette, oh, what a great song. Uh, Baby, I Need Your Loving, uh, Sugar Pie Honey Bunch, Reach Out, I'll Be There, and Standing in the Shadows of Love. They also wrote Take Me in Your Arms and Rock Me a Little While, I love that song, by Kim Weston. And lastly, which I was surprised by, they wrote Band of Gold by Frida Payne. Another good, that was a good song in the late, early 70s, I Wasn't think. Wasn't she a painter? Who? Frida Payne. No, that's Frida Kahlo. Frida Payne would be a good drag name, though. <laughs> Frida Payne. Frida Payne. <laughs> Frida Payne. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to put that up there next to antihistamine. <laughs> Gingivitis. Gingivitis. <laughs> Gingivitis. Yes. And uh, I can't oh, Miss Miss Anthrope. <laughs> subtle, subtle but good. It's in there. Yeah, it's yeah. subtle, but it's yeah. good. I had a very short one. Mona, the bitch with an itch. <laughs> you can smell that. <laughs> Sheila's looking for the exit. Already. I don't blame her. I don't blame her. We now move on to our next segment. Today in history. Oh, I like this one. I like this you one. You like this one? Yeah, oh, okay. Oh, you like this one too? I like too? this one. I'll... I'm so glad we have your approval. I like it as if you asked. No. <laughs> I like this one, and I like the, uh, today is known as like rubber band day. But so what day is it? I like that. That's... Yeah, that, one, that one's fun too. But today, in 1925, the second shipment of a serum arrived in Nome, Alaska which was part of a famous run called the Great Race of Mercy or the Serum Run. What had happened was the town of Nome, Alaska at the time was a population of 1,400, and the surrounding communities had an outbreak of diphtheria, which is a... I'd name a cat diphtheria. You are diphtheria. I would name a cat diphtheria. (laughs) It sounds like like an evil, vicious little name for an evil, vicious little beast. I'm sorry. Cat lovers all across America. Yes, they will be writing those in. 16 states. That, that, that may be why. Those are where the cats live. Yeah. Go ahead. But anyway, this town broke out this outbreak of diphtheria, and unfortunately, at the time of year it was, they couldn't reach it by ship because of the freezing temperatures and the ice flows. And plane travel was relatively new and not really all that safe to in those kind of in this kind of weather. Temperatures were as like cold as minus 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And the winds were about 25 miles per hour. The only accessible route was what they called the Iditarod Trail. Oh, dear. Which is this whole long trail, which they now use for racing, I believe. Yep. Dog sled races. Yep. Basically goes along, mostly part along the coast of Alaska. So they organized all these teams of 150 sled dogs and 20 mushers, as they call them. And they had this serum. 
The serum, they said, would only be good within six days. After that, it would be no good. Sounds like the corona. And For real. They basically had to travel 674 miles in this freezing cold weather with storms going on and stuff. And they got there in five and a half days. Huh. Wow. So they were able to save the serum and actually use it for the people. And then a few days Here's later... Here's a later, America yep. music. Well, that's, that's the whole thing. This became big news, this whole thing. And the mushers and the dogs themselves became famous. One of the dogs that became famous, there is a statue for in Central Park. The dog is called Balto. Huh. Balto. I know from Balto. There's, I think there's even an animated movie yeah, about him yes. as well. Yes. Balto was the lead dog of the sled team that traveled the last leg of the initial run. So he became probably the most famous of the dogs. Well, this other musher, I forget his name, who had this other dog named Togo. And his sled team traveled 260 miles. And he was kind of pissed that, that Togo wasn't getting the fame and glory that Balto was. But eventually, Togo's story was made into a Disney film in 2019 with William Def- with Willem Dafoe starring in it. And it starred a dog that was a direct descendant of Togo 14 generations back. Wow. Interesting. Right? I think that's pretty that's cool. Where in Central Park is this dog statue? I'm not sure exactly. I've never... I've been all over Central Park. We have a shit research department. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that you before. You mean Google? I've said that <laughs> yeah. before. In other words, you wait for me to get up and look at it. I really can't be oh, bothered I, right I, now. I always look, listen for the little... Oh, yes, the little click. <laughs> That's why we need Bryce in here all the time. Google, keep it up with us. Google it every time. Open in the window. Open in the window. Open in the window. But could you imagine if it's that dog run, they get all the serum there, and they said, well, what's in that serum? Nobody's going to pick up... I'm not sure I'm going to use that serum. Who, t- who made the serum? Where they did it come had from? They probably a parade and said you, that you know, right? Is, you they know. were probably fucking jumping for fucking joy. Yeah. Uh, so what happened to diphtheria? Well, they were able to control the epidemic and everything was happy news. It was a All good right. day. I meant the cat, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was no cat. There's no cat. There's no cat named diphtheria. We now move on to what day is it? I ask myself that every morning. Well, I think the three of you might like this day. It's called Singles Awareness Day. Fuck you. Gee, thanks, Patrick. (laughs) Fuck you and your... Just fuck you. It is an unofficial holiday, which is is a compliment to Valentine's Day for single people who are not married or in any kind of romantic relationship. It is a celebration of love in all forms. With every word Recognizing the love between (laughs) friends, family, and loving yourself. And as Oscar Wilde once said to love oneself, it's the beginning of a lifelong romance. So happy Singles Awareness Day, the acronym of which is, of course, SAD. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm feeling depressed. (laughs) S-A-D, Singles Awareness Day. (laughs) You should be kicked in the teeth. (laughs) We now move on to Turn Your Head and Cough. I know, Sheila. That's why I got you more wine. This is a new one, right? Yes, this is a new, this is a new, a new segment. See, yeah, you, you, obviously someone's not keeping up on the episodes. <laughs> Sheila's been a little busy the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Directing, yeah, yeah, whatever. She lives in one of those 16 states. 
Somebody from Virginia follows us, right? Yes, we have Virginia too. Okay, good. They're one of the more popular ones. Where we are, really? Yeah. All right. We have quite a few Virginia. That's borderline. I mean, it's the South. Each other to the Ku Klux Klan. Go ahead. Anyway, (laughs) today's topic in turn your head and cough is kids and cannabis. It seems that with the proliferation, the proliferation of these edible products now that you can easily get. It has fueled a four-year increase in the number of young children who are accidentally consuming them. In 2016, there were 187 instances of kids age 12 or under being accidentally exposed to edibles. By 2020, that number had risen to more than 3,100, and a majority of them were kids age 5 and under. And this was not only a problem in states that legalize cannabis, it's a problem in states that don't have it legal, that don't have it legal either. But there's still people who are getting the products and bringing them over. So as long as it's widespread and accessible, that's why they're seeing an increase, like an increase in these kids getting exposed to it. And the health effects that the kids can feel include difficulty breathing, loss of coordination, drowsiness, and seizures. And you may even even need to bring the kid to an ICU unit or a hospital in extreme cases. I hope these parents are being prosecuted. Well, that's who it is. It's the parents. It's the parents. Yeah. The parents are, yeah. you know, they're... Being irresponsible. Exactly. Anybody under five getting into your stash? Right. Where the... What the fuck? How the... What the fuck? Well, you see, a stash is one thing, but you're talking about, like, a candy bar. Yeah. Like, but so that's like what I, I mean, that- I have this. This is a little chocolate bar. If in it's a in, box. If, if it's infused. If I leave this ring around and some kid sees it, milk chocolate. Yes. That's what it says right there. Right. They're going to open it. Well, They're going to eat it. I heard you know? that they've actually had a, had a rash of stores selling products that look like Oreos or Skittles or Snickers bars that have a packaging that looks like it, but it is an edible. And that's Re- okay. what they've been trying to crack down on that. I know there was a whole thing in Long Beach about stores selling it. So that's like been the Jeez. other thing now. Is but it wouldn't this... be a rash if the if the parents would just be responsible. Exactly. Yeah. You lock yeah. it up. Keep yeah. your right. shit out of your kids. We're talking kids under five. That's shocking. Yeah. Stunning. Kids yeah. under a five. A majority of the kids under that five and under stunning. now. Are, I, I dare you to keep your 16-year-old out of your stash. But your five-year-old, you should be able to keep your five-year-old. Yeah. Put the no shit on top of the refrigerator. Right. For fuck's sake. The fuck? Stupid. It's just stupid. It is stupid. It's stupid. stupid. You know? I mean... And that's why the, the, they, they made all these tips for keeping your edibles secure. They say, store your edibles the same way you would store your medication in a secure locked place out of reach of children and pets. Listen, if you don't you want know? your kids getting high, that's what you got to do. Yeah. Or you don't get to have it in the house. Exactly. Or just limit the number of, of, of you know, if you know you're going to have something that night, then buy something for that night. Don't buy something for like next week and I'm going to keep it in my room then and nothing will happen with it, you know? In a candy dish. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You can't do that. That's what it's got to be. You're talking about toddlers. All right, then there's your five to ten-year-olds and some of them probably need it. And then there's your teenagers, which we all know. Okay, but your one to five-year-olds, you have to be leaving, you have to be almost, almost giving it to them. Those people don't feed themselves. They don't get their own food. They don't. They don't do anything for themselves. So you have to almost be either feeding it to them or leaving them in such an easy reach, obvious position yeah. that your parenting skills are now completely, your parenting privileges are now completely revoked. You cannot be allowed a plant to take care of. And the I mean, because these parents don't even know, like, the proper dosage on these things. There's Nobody knows. Really does. I mean, 
You see, uh, this is like a square bar of chocolate. This is. That's exactly I eat what six this of those is. in a commercial. Yeah, this is a real edible. This is a real edible product. You can open it up if you want. It looks like fancy chocolate. And it does. You only need like a small piece of it, they say, for it to take effect. A child will shove all Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know adults who would make the mistake of yeah. trying to eat the whole thing. <laughs> right? Because you don't, especially if you don't know, if you're just going to buy it and you've never done it, you've never had it before, or you don't know anyone who's ever consumed edibles before. You're you're risking your own health and life. You Edibles know? is a totally different high. Yeah, it's very very different. It's very subtle. It's very it's much slower. Much slower. Much more intense. Much more in the body, and it's insidious. It's. I'm not a big on, fan of them. Uh, I I don't mind it. I prefer the heady high. Well, I prefer something that's going to keep me. I prefer like the sativa over indica. Yeah. You know, the indica is the one that just like makes you a couch potato. I'm not into and, that. And which one is mostly put into the candies or the edibles? From or, what I understand, I think I think it's mostly indicas that are in the candies. But I'm not. I can't swear to that because I'm not. I don't and how consume do you know edibles. What, what, like if someone gave, if someone had happened to give me some buds, right, right. How do I know which one they are? Well, each one. It depends on what you get. I mean, for if you're buying something by, let's say, let's say you're going to buy, you're going to a dispensary, you're going to buy some weed. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. If you're thinking about calling up the, you know, the guy in the corner and going to pick it up and get it and bring it back home and smoke with your friends, because that's my experience with pot was always just going. Well, out. yeah, of course. And you had the dealer, connection. Yeah. And you went, and you got what you got, and that was it. Yeah. And you didn't order. You ordered by by weight. You didn't order by brand or you know like Hawaiian birthday fuck me on the beach brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a whole no. new world. Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna stop our regular flow of things, and now we're we're now gonna basically have an interview with our two guests here. Excellent, I love this idea, show, right? Talk, talk, talk uh, I, wait, hold on, no, wait, no, wait, are we talking about the show? Yes, we are. We're gonna Lynn talk about Nottage. we're gonna talk about what? Lynn Nottage. Oh, Lynn Nottage. Okay, I didn't know what I didn't hear what you said there for a second. It sounded like something else. <laughs> but yes, we're going to talk about. Uh, East Line Theater's new production of the Lynn Nottage play, Intimate Apparel. Okay. And we're here today, of course, with Matthew Rosenberg and Sheila Barksdale, the directors of the play. So, Matthew, I'll talk to you first a bit. Why the show? Why now? You <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> broken Sheila, we haven't even got I couldn't resist. <laughs> I had to do it that way. You're going to make James Lipton cry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So, Matthew, why intimate apparel? What drew you to this play? Well, as I as I've said to everyone, we we read during the pandemic when we had nothing else to do as as theater people. We just gathered on Zoom and read plays. Okay. And this was one of the plays we had read, and the consensus of people who had who were in the group reading it uh, with the book club thought it was great, and we loved it. And we figured it'd be a great show to kick off our return to indoor to real indoor theater. Uh, for 2022, and it's we want to produce a show by a black art by a black playwright about the black experience, and it's why we picked it. And Sheila was nice enough to come on board with us after a little cajoling, and she read the script, and that's how we got here. That's excellent. What about the play, though? <laughs> the, the, like that's your experience with the title. The play, it's the play. What about the play? The play, is, the play is wonderful because it is to me. I've said this. It is a story about love. It is a story about longing for love, longing for intimacy, longing for any sense of belonging, 
And I think that it's universal in all six characters. They're all looking for it in their own way. It's based on Lynn Nodge's grandmother and her grandmother's experiences growing up as a seamstress in uh, New York in the turn of the century, turn of the 20th century. And I think Esther's story, the, the lead character, is just so compelling as a 35-year-old unmarried woman, which unheard of for that time, and her journey to find herself. It's it's a coming of age story. It's a 30 it's a it's a woman of 35 coming of age. And I think that's fascinating. So that's what drew me drew us to the piece itself is the story, which I think is universal. Mm, cool. Tell me more, Sheila. That wasn't enough about the story. Who is this woman? Why do we care? What's happening to her? What's going on? Well, you Where should does she come live? on Friday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, you know I can't you can do buy that. your tickets online. You know I can't do that. But you tell, <laughs> the people, tell the people. Tell them what the website name is. Tell them what the people like. Go ahead. Well, I can, website to get tickets, you can go to eastlinetheater.org and you can find your way to find tickets for the show. Sheila, do you want to please stand more on the show? I want to. I want to talk about this woman and who she is and why why we care and where she comes from and what where she goes. Where does she go? First of all, it, I think I I just like to add to what Matthew said. It's not a black story, mm-hmm. right? Because the the emotions and the feelings that the the show addresses is universal, right? You know, everybody wants love, yeah, right. And I also think it's resilience mm. and it's hope. You know, she she's had this. She's always longed. She's always longed for love. Mm-hmm. She finally gets it. I can't tell you more than that. Okay. <clears throat> okay. The story, I think. I think but... if you if you put a if you put a black woman at a certain time period, which is a huge time period, probably about hundred years after the Civil War and up until wasn't that yesterday? Okay. okay. You put a black woman and the color purple. How many people? That experience, her experience was, uh, and I can't remember her name, Celia, not Celia. Is it Celia? Yeah, Celia. Celia? Celia? Yes, color purple. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the character who was yelling that word and whether or not that was, anyway, it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is that 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 experience is so hard and and it it comes from such, it has to dig out from such a hole that you assign it a certain amount of gravitas based on who your lead character is. Okay. Carolina change. Okay, it's it's these black women are coming do coming of age at a time when they are expressing themselves at a time when they really socially weren't allowed to. They but weren't seen. They weren't even noticed. They nobody knew who they were. She was a maid. She was so so that that putting a, as opposed to a coming of age story of a single white Jewish guy. But the the the, the emotions that's driving both stories are the same. Are the same, and that's what. My focus is okay, you know, okay, because I, 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 it's about unifying and, and and showing that we're not that different. It's just told, it's just told through a different voice, but it's the same. It's the same I emotion. See, I, I see what you're saying, and I get it, and I understand what why it worked. I'm, what I'm just saying is, it's interesting how you put somebody in a different costume. You change the gender, you change their race, you put them in a different costume, you put them, and the universal story is told so many different ways. Yeah. Do you know what I'm yes. saying? That's what makes it yes. universal yes. for fuck's sake. Yes. Okay. Yes. So so this one, I want to know about like who is Lynn Nottage? Tell me about Lynn Nottage. Lynn Nottage is a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. Um she actually for a time, just a couple weeks ago, had three plays currently running on Broadway. For real? For yeah. real. Yeah. She yeah. had There were only nineteen plays on Broadway. <laughs> um, she actually there's an actually an operatic version of this play of Intimate Apparel just opened, playing yeah. at Lincoln Center, just opened. Yeah. Uh that she is the book writer for MJ the Musical. 
And then she had a third oh. one that just closed. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. But she also wrote Sweat, and she's got a Sweet number spray. of other... She's got Clyde. She's got Clyde. That, that was the one that just closed. Um, that closed already? It was it was a limited run. That was real limited. Was limited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't make it through the month. <laughs> um, but she's a very well-known Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright. And what is, uh, what is her... Do you know anything about where she was born? How old she is? I, is she married? Is she straight? Is she... I think she has Caribbean roots. Her yeah. grandmother has okay. her, her yep. people are Caribbean roots. I think she grew up somewhere in the South. I'm not sure okay. about that. You know, interesting. And I didn't know much about her until I, I was given the opportunity to do Sweat, and that's okay. when the name first came to me. Right, I right. Could, and I couldn't do it, but but and then I was given this opportunity to direct her. And, and it was your first time as a director. First time as a director. And what did you think of the that experience? I like being an actor. You like being an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Directors, yo, that's a hard job. <laughs> it's too many. As an actor, you learn, your job is to learn your script, learn your blocking, know who your character is, perform. Right, get the and, get the get the sardines off the stage. Yes, and, but, but the directors is like is on and on and on. Well, and it's the difference between as a director, like I find directing is eighty percent casting. You put the right person in the role. Mm-hmm. You can trust them. You put them in the role. Well, we you let them there. do what you got to do. Okay? Yes, then did. you step away. You you trust that guy. You trust those people to do mm-hmm. that job. You trust the lighting guy to do his job. You trust the music guy that he's going to do his job. And you got to keep it all together, but you got to trust people to do it because you can't do it all. Yes, but you know, I don't believe that my job ended when they stepped on the stage opening night. Right, I'm continually directing them because they want me to. Okay, you know, and as is your right, and, I and, think. and and theirs too. You know, because and and I as a, a director, I mean, as an actor, right, I am constantly looking for notes and how I can improve. You know, better than I did the night before. You Do know? you find that most actors you work with? Or do you find that the actors you worked with as a director are the same? Look for the same thing from a director. They, uh, are they looking for notes from you? Are they? Are they? Or, my or, my cast, yes. Okay, they're begging for it. Oh yeah, well, okay. they're begging yeah, for it, yeah, which makes them wonderful. That you know, they they some of them. There's a couple of them who have never been on stage. You know, one has never had never. any acting experience. Um, Which shocked me because she was so good. And and our, what's her name? Um, Elizabeth Tobio. Tobio, yeah. And our lead, who is fabulous, right? Her background is, is in independent films and 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 you know independent plays. She's never done a production. It's like all this. storytelling. Yeah. You, you got to learn the vocabulary, and then we're not talking about. But if you're science. coming into it without oh my that God. knowledge, you put a camera in my hand. What the fuck to do? You know. So they're Shooting hungry. Film? Our whole cast is. They're hungry to mm-hmm. learn. You know. That's and awesome. I, and I appreciate that because that's where I came from. You know, everything that I know about acting, I learned from the Long Island stage. Good for you. You know, didn't have the money to take classes. And I'm a believer in doing. I agree with you. you Especially this type of activity. Yeah. 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 I agree. You can't can't learn this in a chair. No. Mm -mm. No. 
Absolutely no, not. No, you can't. Absolutely not. Well, I was going to ask no. Matt, being that this, uh, you've directed before. Yes. Is this your first time with a co-director? This is the first time with a co-director, yes. And what was that experience like? I it was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, Sheila was a wonderful collaborator. Um, it definitely, I will say this, as Sheila got more comfortable in the role of director, which only took like mm-hmm. 10 days, what, what it went from a very much a divided, I'll handle this, you'll handle that, which is kind of how we had originally map things out to a full collaboration and to fully working on every aspect and, and and so I think that was what was surprising to me was that we were able to so easily and start in the audition room and we just blended so beautifully together I think our working styles blended and it was scary at times like we were really finishing was. each other's sentences and thoughts <laughs> that's a good thing yeah, yeah it was you, a great thing but it was surprising <laughs> it, it was surprising it happened so quickly yeah I mean, I know, I've known Sheila for a long time so this wasn't like we had never met before and we were working so I've known Sheila for a while and I wanted Sheila to be a part of this production so that was easy like that part was easy so there was no like getting to know each other but our working chemistry was just so seamless and so smooth it was but, it was but getting great. that but what made it easy for both of us mm-hmm. were the people we got lucky enough to mm-hmm. cast in yeah. you know be- I maintain I maintain if you can cast the rest of it the rest of it is easy. I'm 100% with the you. The rest of it yeah. is easy. Yeah. Cast, yeah. cast that motherfucker. Yeah. Cast it. Exactly. And get it right. Right. And if you get it right, you don't you don't have much to do. Yeah. Don't be afraid to take your time to get it right, too. That's yes. another thing. Yeah. We, we, we spent a long time looking for our George. We had a couple people who... we. Now, it rolls open from auditions. We had a couple people come down, couldn't do it, whatever. And we just kept searching. We kept searching. And we found this... Perfect gentleman. His name is Brandon Robinson. Uh, uh, Brandon um, Robinson. Robinson. Right, first time. <laughs> uh, uh, we've, uh, Hollywood. And, yes. <laughs> um, and he's an SNL uh, background actor and a model. And he had done one show here on the island just before the pandemic. Is he hot? Yes. Come see the show. How old? You leave my boy alone. All right. You leave him alone. I'm just saying, it's Valentine's. Brandon is lovely. Oh no, it's single people day. Uh, Brandon's Fuck connection, you, Brandon's connection to <laughs> Sheila and his trust that he put in Sheila specifically is something to watch. <laughs> is he brand new? Has he never done anything ne- before? Again, did what well, he did uh, the Jackie Robinson play at Broad Hollow just before the pandemic, which was a day rep show, which okay. was like a, a daytime show. It's a, it's an hour long. It's an hour long. Did he play Jackie Robinson? Yes. Okay, so so he's used to being, or he's able to do. Yeah. The whole show. Absolutely, but we went, we kept the role open. We found him, and it was just like a natural fit. There you go. So that's the thing. You you never. I, I always say this: directors have to be willing to not settle, even if it means you go into rehearsal for ten days and you don't have one of your actors. Don't settle on getting. A body. Just anybody. A body is not going to do no, what the right person is going to be. Yeah, of course not. It never and, is. And I think and I think directors get nervous. Oh my god, I can't have this role open. I only have five weeks to do the show. I, if, if I don't cast this show before this role before rehearsals start, I'll never get a cast and it'll throw off the chemistry. But we agreed that we weren't I was willing to say, well, we can't do the show. Mm. First of all, this character, George, had to be of color. Mm-hmm. Period. You know, th- th- there was no faking that, right? And he had to have some chops, some possibility. My being, this would be my first time out. I ain't going down like that. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> you know, it was. It, is a, it was a really, it's a really wonderful group of actors who collaborate beautifully. They work together beautifully. They well, look congratulations! Great on stage. That shit is rare. 
Yeah. What? As you well yeah. know, that shit is rare. Well, that's what I was going to get into because it's Black History Month. We have this play running. And then another theater is running Guess Who's Coming to Dinner right, with right, right, right. African-American character in it. What happens after February? Exactly. What happens after February? That, well, for, for one month out of the year, we're a hot commodity. Yeah. Right? Come Jan- February 27th, we go back into into the shadows. Right? If the theaters are serious about being diversified, and I don't mean just with color, that's women producers and women women um, directors, board uh, members, board members, people, different colors on the board, the people who are making the, the decisions that's, for these things, right? That's the goal. That is ongoing. My goal, though, Tom, um, Tommy, really is I would love to see the day when a play can be advertised for the title and not that it's a black play. Do you know what I'm I saying? I absolutely know what you mean. Um, I have, but you know what? It's a Jewish play. It's a Jewish play. It's a Caribbean play. It's a Caribbean it's a black play. play. It's, it's a black play. It's, it's a, a white play. It's a woman's play. It's, it's, it's a it gay play. Every, it covered everyone. Yeah, yeah, and you look for something like that. But but most plays are something. They are categorized as something. Yes. It's just if you're going, if you're doing a play, you're agreeing to work in a certain structure and, and do certain, mean, you know, I, stage conventions. I don't mean to eliminate that because that's important to do and and to see and to have, right? But it seems only in February oh. do you find these uh, yes. a black yeah, red yeah, yeah. play, yeah, yeah. right? And only in only one time in my whole career of acting have I been in a in a a a part that was cast outside of what was norm like it was usually given to a white woman and they gave it to me okay right my fear was that my presence my blackness was going to take away from the story and to my surprise it did not. Well, you, you, uh, that I want to see more on. That stage. right? That you're talking about. You're talking about writing that's hard to put anything up against, including race. Once, if you're selling that story, if you're selling it, it don't matter. It it doesn't. It's a brilliant casting choice. I think. I think it's. A, I think it changes. We're talking about George and Martha, mm-hmm. uh, and we're talking about her at that. You played it in the time period it was written in. Yes. Okay. So now here's this black woman who clearly. <laughs> Has control over this white man. She's clearly, and if you play so with an if you, but well, yeah, but but you have an Irish woman, and this Irish woman completely has control. Whoever it is has control over that. Is the writing is so fucking good? It 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 it's irrelevant. Yes, it is an irrelevant. Yes, thing. and that's the goal. Yeah, and it's, it's and that's kind of how I felt with intimate apparel to in a way because to me I saw it more about this woman overcoming. Thank you so yes. much. Yep. It was, yes, it was a black woman, and that made it that made it that much harder. But the play wasn't really concentrating on the race, the racism, and the black and white the issue. Tr- the plight of her bringing up, yeah, and from and all that. This yes. is about a poor black woman, a seamstress, putting away money to start her own business, but she wants to be. She's getting older. She's thirty five. She wants to get married. She gets this beam of hope from this guy down in Panama, who she doesn't know, but. He'll marry her. Oh no! This and, is the internet scam. And, yeah, and he marries her. And Don't tell anymore. I know. <laughs> I won't say what goes on, but <laughs> the the play it's a bittersweet ending. Okay, it's a you walk out of there hopeful. 
Yes. Yeah. For the future well, for this character. Now, I'm sorry I took up so much time with this. That's quite all right. So tell us dates, times, prices, whatever you need to tell us. Sell sure. it. Go ahead, I'll, sell I'll it. handle that. Uh, so the show runs Fridays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. and Sundays at 2.30, the next two weekends through the 27th of February. Uh, tickets are $25 for adults and $20 for students and seniors. And again, eastlinetheater.org to find out all the information and the link to purchase tickets. So that's the information for the show. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's it's funny what you say about it being about a woman's story. I think it's stunning to me that this is a, a woman in 1905 who wants to start her own business. Yeah. And, and just forethought. And, and, you know, it was a little bit, 18 years she had been saving money yep. to open up her own business. So what a story to even be telling at that, I mean, before women had the right to vote. Going back to the earlier conversation. Can you tell me whether she opened her goddamn business or not, or does that kill the story? Yeah, we're not going yeah, to oh, yeah, tell you. But let, let's just, I think there are going to be white people who are going to see this and saying black women opened businesses back then mm-hmm. in the 1900s. But that's why they're not Yeah, they did. Yeah. I think they more, yeah, they, they might did. be, or that they would even think to want think to dream that they could. Because yeah. I think in 1905, it was rare to have a white woman, any woman, to own their own business. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. Right. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so this, the, oh, a, a poor black woman to have the dream. Yep. I, you know what I, I was going to say, might surprise people, but, but you know, the people who come to theater, I hope that they're more involved. Yeah. To realize that that could would be a possibility. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. That they have to consider that possibility. That's what happens. You know, that's what did happen. Yeah. So come and see it. Yes, come and see it. Go and, see it. And we're going to end this interview. We usually have the questions by Bernard Vivo. What? You don't watch. Inside the actor studio, do no, you? I was going to say, say that in little words. Yeah, just hold a series of questions. Some words, some words. But instead, I'm going to use the Barbara Walters question. Okay. If you could be a tree, what tree <laughs> would it be? It's okay to talk to fuck himself. You know. It's okay. That's a serious question. <laughs> yes. Miss Walters asked it of Katie Hepburn. And oh, for fuck. What did Catherine Hepburn say to I that? I don't even know. Oh, I sure hope. I Patrick, I how could you not have her respond? I hope there's a video clip. Because I just YouTube thought of somewhere. this now. I didn't plan this. Wait a minute. Are you. Wait a minute. Are you telling. I'm sorry. That's okay. Are you talking about something that actually happened that there's an answer to this question? <laughs> yes. Type. <laughs> There's really an answer. There's a real answer for this. If Catherine, I, so what we're saying uh-oh. is, hold on. What I want to know is, Barbara Walters asked Catherine Hepper, if you could be a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Okay, that. Thank you. Okay, so so I want to know what the answer was. What the hell is Catherine Hepper going to say to Barbara Walters? She chose an oak. An oak. Yes. Any particular reason, Catherine Hepburn would choose an oak? <laughs> No, maybe it's the tight John Connecticut and the Yankee accentness of the whole affair. Let's see if he gives a reason. Oh God, I can't that is say what I was say. that is brilliant. Don't say what you were going to say. I cannot say it. Say, oh my God! I if you can't say, it, you're not honoring the podcast. Sheila. Oh God! Oh yeah, I'm honoring Sheila. No, oh. don't give it. No, there's oh, no, explanation. Oh, oh. no explanation. <laughs> she would have been so, if you could be a tree, Sheila, what tree would it be? Give us Southern Virginia. <laughs> Well, I'm prone to the shorter trees, less to hang from. Oh, dear. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> Can we leave it at that? <laughs> Absolutely not. Can we leave it? No, we cannot. Oh, no, we can't leave it. I'm sorry, Sheila. 
No, but you need a sports okay. reference? There's a flag on the plane? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's glitter on this? No, it's just, you need an explanation for that. I shouldn't be laughing. This is funny. Okay, what tree would I be? What tree um, would you be? I would a little be tree. A little so you tree. have less to hang from. He heard it the first time, Tommy. I want, to I want to hear it every 10 minutes. I want it to be my ringtone. <laughs> So go ahead, chill up. <laughs> What's the tree in, 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 in Yellowstone that lives forever and ever and ever? The redwood tree. I'd be a redwood. A mighty redwood. Good choice. That's a whole lot to hang from. Matthew, if, if you could be a tree. They dig, they dig tunnels <laughs> through fucking redwood trees for cars to get That's through. And you want just a little bit to hang from. And here you are with the tunnel. <laughs> She'll be, she'll be off the main path. Carved into a tree. She'll be off the main path. That's still alive. Look at that motherfucker. Bigger than anything. She don't like those. She don't like those gas fumes. She'll be off the main path. No box shrub. No azalea bush. No. No. Yeah, the highway's going through. Exactly right. Oh, I'm going to so behave myself now. Matthew, uh, what kind of tree would you be? Uh, a palm be. tree. A palm tree. Uh, okay, I know I need more. Sorry, a palm tree? By the by, the water? Quiet. Of course, Florida. He's Jewish. Yeah, his, people, his people like the water. Well, to be, to be fair, our my, people my like people the water. Yes, they do. My, it either was that or a cactus, because my people have been walking through the desert for food. Well, that's what I'm saying. You see, see, Those are the two options, really. You guys could do Arizona, and we're going to need somebody to populate in Arizona. That's the, the gays can't do without the beach. The gays well, must the have thing. the beach. That's the other thing. We now move on to our next segment. I know, it's hard to keep up. Right? Where we now take a look into my briefs. Do you need more wine? Because this could be scary. Tonight, we're going to be looking into the case of Sarah Palin versus the New York Times. Ooh, this is funny. This is she got her well, yeah, it's it funny, her. but it's got some... Well, I'll get into it. I'll get into it. Get into it. Do you know why she sued the New York Times? Because they say something about her in an editorial she didn't like. Basically, yes. They, they tied her to... Um, uh, was it? Was it? I'll, I'll, I'll give you exactly. The Times wrote that before the 2011 mass shooting in Arizona, mm -hmm. that severely wounded former U.S. Rep. Gabby Giffords and killed six others. Oh, that was in the parking lot. They said that Palin's political action committee had contributed to an atmosphere of violence by circulating a map of electoral districts that put Giffords and 19 other Democrats under stylized crosshairs. At the time, the then editorial page editor, James Bennett, apologized the next day. He said he had inserted wording that wrongly described both the map and any link to the shooting. The newspaper's lawyer said that he made an honest, honest mistake. He was never intending to harm Pale in any way, but she sued. And the case went to trial and everything. She did her presentation of evidence. She's the plaintiff in the case. And she has... In un, under the rules of libel, which was what she was suing for, she has to prove that the Times editor knew that what they were publishing was false, and that he had such an utter disregard for whether it was true or false, a, a reckless disregard of whether it was true or false that he published it anyway. And that's basically that the same is called actual malice. And so after Palin's presentation of evidence, the judge said, and they something. I guess I guess the defendant must have gone also because the jury was going to reach a verdict on mm -hmm. this already. Well, what's the defendant in New York? Well, you see, you, see, well, normally what happens, well, in a civil case like this, if I'm the plaintiff after I presented my case or if I'm the defendant, I'm going to make a motion after the presentation of the evidence saying, I move to dismiss saying that 
either A, for the plaintiff, I made a prima facie case in my showing, or for the defendant, that the plaintiff failed to prove their case and their evidence. Right, right, right. The judge ruled. You and, knew that. and I guess the judge ruled on that. But then the case goes to the jury. It was already in the hand of the jury when the judge made the decision. And, yeah, and the jury was already sequestered, and the judge said, I'm going to be ruling against Palin on this. But he didn't want to say anything, yet he's going to let the jury come to a verdict on this. And didn't they come back worse? Because she was hoping for an appeal loophole in the jury verdict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why do you know about the second part, though? The jury basically came to the same decision, that she failed to prove her case. But, like, humiliated the They found it, you know, for the defendant and stuff. But this is why lawyers make so much money. How many words can you fucking use to describe... She lied. She didn't lie. She lied. She lied. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Well, so it's like, all right, yeah, we. She's not gonna. She's not gonna win or anything. The problem is, Go ahead. more than likely, she may appeal. She may decide to appeal this all the way to the Supreme, Supreme Court. Court. And if not, if it's not her case, it's going to be some other case because their goal is to overturn the standard that protects newspapers in libel actions. Mm -hmm. From public figures. Well, that's part of the fascist thing. Well, that's a whole other issue. What I'm going to talk about is the decision originally that they wanted overturned. That's called, it's called Sullivan versus the New York Times. And it was uh, rendered in 1964. It was a 9-0 decision. It was a unanimous decision. And they said basically that the plaintiff has to prove that, that the statement was false. And that they knew it was false. And that they knew it was false. And, and they care. published it anyway. And that became the standard. It was called actual malice. Now, like I said, there was no dissent at the time. Everyone agreed on this. Later on, though, as the years have gone on, and these newspapers have successfully defended themselves in these libel and defamation actions, a certain sector of the political spectrum is saying that this decision protects newspapers too much, it's shielding them too much, and unfortunately, there are some members of the current U.S. Supreme Court who kind of feel the same way. Because in 2014, there was a case, or let me find the information on it. You better, because you know my ass. <laughs> uh, it's like hearing a professor, isn't I'm it? sorry, it was, in 20, it was in 2019. It just drones. In 2019, the Supreme Court denied a petition that was brought by a woman named Catherine McKee. She was one of the women who accused Bill Cosby of sexual assault. And she brought a, live, a, a defamation action claiming that Cosby had leaked a letter that permanently damaged her reputation. And the lower courts rejected her case based on the Sullivan versus New York Times mm -hmm. standard, stating that because she was not a public figure, she was subject to that standard, even though she was a limited public figure, but she had to prove the standard of malice. So, How do you prove that? What? How do you prove? You have to basically prove that the statement being made was a false statement. No, no, that's not the difficult part. The difficult part is how do you prove that the other guy meant, knew it was false the, and published it anyway? How do you prove How do you prove that intent? That's the hard part, and that's why a certain sector of the political spectrum... That's what they want to eliminate. ...is not happy about intent. Right, right, right. Because, some sneaky bitches. Well, also... This, They're good, though, because they get what they want. Yeah. Well, so basically, in this... 2019 case, it finally went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court, they dismissed it as well. But Justice Clarence Thomas wrote a little opinion on the case. And he said that while he yeah, believed like that guy. the decision to deny was appropriate under the under this, this under this precedent of Sullivan, he also thinks that the, that the original case, Sullivan versus New York Times, was made with this was a bad decision. And he says 
If the Constitution does not require public figures to satisfy an actual malice standard in state law defamation suits, then neither should we. Now, hold on. Okay. That's going to take me a second, because he was clever with his words. That yeah, say that again. Can you break that down? Uh, yeah, basically, say- what he's saying there is that this whole standard is completely manufactured, that there's nothing in the Constitution that addresses this standard of actual malice. That was completely manufactured. So you don't have to prove what I intended, is what he's saying. I, I shouldn't have to prove that. Well, what it is under English common law and law that's followed in other English-speaking countries, the, the burden wasn't on the plaintiff to prove that a lie was being said. The burden was on the defendant to that's prove that what they were saying was, was true. true. U.S. law under Sullivan switched that burden to the plaintiff having to prove that the claim was false. And made with reckless disregard. That was a standard. And like I said, it was, a, it was a unanimous decision on this. The whole, all nine of these justices agreed. It's almost an impossible But now, like I said, Thomas now has expressed his opinion. And he's not the only one. You also have Justice Gorsuch. Yeah. He questioned the usefulness Which of this standard. Is who cried? No. Who no. cried? I don't know who cried. Yes, you do. He's Jer- dead. Didn't he die? No, the one who, the one who's sitting now, who when they were interviewed about the beer and, they, and when he was that's Kavanaugh. Oh, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh cried. Oh, okay. Yeah. What what, what kind of beer did you like, Senator? No, no. <laughs> yeah. No, this was Gorsuch, who I'm not Gorsuch. a fan of either. No, well, but he questioned usefulness of this standard as applied to today's media and social media. So eventually, what's going to happen is this case, a case is going a libel case like this is going to get before this U.S. Supreme Court. And there's a good chance that they may overturn this standard that was set back in 1964. If not outright overturn it, chip away at it. Ain't that some shit? These are the same people who are going to follow the Constitution to the letter, whatever original language, whatever the founding fathers said back well, in 1400, whatever the fuck it was. Under their judicial approach to the Constitution. That's what I'm saying, is that they, they, they change to fit what they like. Well, so what can happen is, if the court overturns Sullivan, number one, papers like the New York Times can be sued into bankruptcy and closing, because the standard will be that's lower. That's exactly the point, right. That's, that's what, what they, they want. want. They want to lower the standard and knock out these liberal Publications, these liberal newspapers, and hopefully it'll, it'll bite them in the ass and get theirs as well. Well, it's going to. I but mean, not only that, it's going to lead to news organizations censoring themselves because they're not—they're not going to want to say anything that's going to possibly risk a defamation action. It would—it would—it would send the—it would send basically everyone into constant litigation. Yeah. I mean, the lawyers will love it. Yeah. But it's going to be constant litigation, and it's going to be everywhere. For everything, with everyone, for everybody, for everybody, so at the same time. So the, All the, time. the 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 medias that are on the other other end of the spectrum, yep. mm-hmm. right? Are gonna get the same thing. We'll back get at the them. same back at them. Yep. Okay. So yeah, so it's so, like yeah, Sarah can't paddling got her ass kicked today, but in the long run, we could be the ones getting our asses kicked with this. No, I, I I'm sorry. I think that was just a general reading of. You know what the law is. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't prove that. And they came back the next day and said, "Yo, listen, sorry, we messed up. We were wrong. This is not true. This is the truth. This is what the." Uh, so no, sorry. Well, the thing is, there's another judge here in I think he's oh he's actually in the D.C. Circuit. Turpin. No, his name is <laughs> Turpin. God no, damn it! Wrong musical. Sorry. <laughs> this is Judge Lawrence Silverman. He is the U.S. Circuit Judge for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. Never liked that guy. 
And in a Supreme Court case in night twenty in this in this past year, in March of twenty twenty one, in a libel case, called on the Supreme Court to overturn Sullivan versus New York Times and claimed that the New York Times and the Washington Post are quote virtually Democratic Party broadsheets, close quote, and labeled nearly all television network and cable a Democratic Party trumpet. He also accused big tech companies of censoring conservatives and warned that Democratic Party ideological control of the media might be a prelude to, quote, authoritarian or the dictatorial regime that constitutes a threat oh, to our gosh. viable democracy, close quote. Gosh. So that's what I'm saying. I think it's going to be inevitable that you're going to see a case that's going to overturn, be overturned by uh, the Supreme Court on this standard. It's just inevitable. Scary. Yeah. Scary, inevitable. scary, scary times. You want to adopt me now? <laughs> I don't know what that means. But I don't like it. It means that things keep going the way they're going. I might be, be somebody might try to send me back to a plantation. Oh. But if you adopt me, I get to go with you. Oh. <laughs> wow. Times is hard. <laughs> well, thanks, Tom. <laughs> you would if you could. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, no, it's true. Oh, wow. We now move on to our next segment, Which The is... Week in Fascism. This is new. I like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. I was hoping for something maybe less dry. Something less dry. Yeah, yeah, than, than look into my pants. Would someone get on the menu, please? He wants something less dry. I want dry. something less dry. I do with this. I'm just the <laughs> guest. Yes, yes. <laughs> But I figured we'd start talking about those trucker convoys in Canada. Oh, yeah, Les, that's interesting. Well, yeah. <laughs> they so go now. Interesting is a word for it. Yeah. I mean, they started, I understand, that originally the whole beef was about the fact that in order to cross the border in both of the United States and into Canada, you had to be vaccinated. And that wasn't just for the truckers. It's for everybody. And for, I think, what, 90% of the truckers in Canada... It's yep. not an issue. They're all yep. vaccinated. Yep. But there's been this small segment. I don't know what you're getting me to say, I think. Who have now commandeered the megaphone on this whole issue and have now turned it into their own patriotic front by staging all these convoys and screwing up all the border crossings and screwing up the economies, the local economies, and now like even car manufacturers on both sides of the border... They can't make they can't make anything right now. They have to stop because of what's going on right now. It's ridiculous. And what's even more outrageous about it is hearing how they're receiving funding from Americans. That's the interesting thing. That's and that, the scary and that, thing. And that we have a propaganda network here in the United States that is cheering them on because this has now grown beyond just protesting this vaccine mandate. It's now turned into this whole, we're not going to take it anymore. And now it looks like it's going to start happening here. Because if you look on Facebook, you can easily find groups that are already starting up. That are planning something in March now, I think. I heard something on the news tonight about Canada accusing factions in the United States of, of interfering into their like oh, our yeah. politics of now going oh, yeah. across the border. Oh yeah. Right? So doesn't that make us sound a little bit like Russia right now? You know? <laughs> in a matter of in, in, in a matter of speaking case, it's just it's the you know, it's the influence Yes. This whole our politics are now influencing them. And but, that's but but also this whole right wing network of information and misinformation. The fact that there that there even is one 
and it's basically worldwide now. We don't have that on the on the liberal side, you know. Everyone's just fighting yeah, defense right they'll now. They'll tell you everything else. But, is the liberal side. Yeah, but I mean, because you, you have you have someone like Steve Bannon who goes over to Europe and lectures these groups on how to get organized and what they should be doing for God's sake. This is now becoming a worldwide phenomenon, and it's becoming a real problem. And I don't think people realize that yet. I mean, even when this when we first heard about this thing in Canada, we all thought, "Oh my God, something like that's happening in Canada," and then it spread. And then you're hearing, like, like especially in Ottawa, how they were intimidating people. And and then when you start hearing our politicians, our senators and our congressmen supporting that act, mm-hmm. you know, I said, bells went off. Bells just went off. I didn't think it was going to last that long. That's a couple of protests. You've got a right to protest. Yeah. This has been going on for weeks now, right? I mean, some fault lies with the Canadian government for not moving quicker to, to disperse them. Yeah. I think the Canadian government were caught a little bit flat-footed. Well, I don't know if you heard, the, the, I think the Ottawa police chief resigned. Oh, really? Was it him or someone resigned today? But I, I think, think it was him. I'm not sure. But someone resigned. Got a role. I, I think the, 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 the president, whatever their, their leader is called. Yeah, the right? prime minister. The prime is. minister. I think he was. He didn't want to be set, for it to be said that he was not giving the people their right to protest. There's, there's a point. Of, here's the thing. And, and, and let's just be real here. The right to protest lasts a very long time if you're a certain look. It's February. Go ahead. It, you know, the, the right to protest lasts a very long time for certain people. Mm-hmm. And for other people, it's not even allowed for like, for like an hour. You know, there's a, there's, you know, there's Florida's got the you can't block traffic law that was passed after the 2020 protests. And now they're trying I to pass, and now they're now they're trying to pass laws giving the police the right to sue protesters. You know, Florida, I, New York too. Get out! Yeah, they're trying to. That, yeah. I didn't know that one. That was a, yeah, but I guarantee you that if this kind of trucker thing holds up, you know, a major interstate in Daytona Beach, the governor and all the police officers are going to sit on their hands and let them block traffic for a couple weeks. Yeah. So let's let's be honest here. This is this is all about who it is, and not about what they're doing. That they're how they're able to get away with this. Well, like I said, I mean, for number one, it's it's like I said, it's mostly Canada right now, right but, now, but it is going to happen here. Yeah, because like I said when I when I went online, I looked at some of these groups and like the supplies are organizing and everything, mm-hmm. and it's like all I could think back to was remember Occupy Wall Street? Oh yeah, and how long that lasted, and eventually they cleared it out. Yeah. They had a big clearing out uh, early in the morning or whatever. But stuff. remember that. Remember one side of the aisle was very, very anti that. Yeah, but I know. But the thing is, are we? I mean, I yes, I from what I understand, they already cleared in in the Ottawa now. Yeah, they cleared they, they most cleared, of it they and stuff. A couple days ago, yeah. I don't know what's going on at the other border crossings yeah. that have been occupied. They haven't well. organized there yet. Okay, from, so I thought they were targeting like about five or six of them at this point. But I don't know. Iowa was the big one. They cleared that one. But it looks like right now in the U.S. they're planning to do... It's, it looks like, because they haven't set a date or anything yet, at least that I saw so far, about some kind of trucker convoy going to D.C. in March. That's the latest thing I read. Well, that'll be But fun. that was yesterday. It could have changed by now. That'll be fun. So, yeah, they'll occupy... From what I, was, I heard they were trying to aim it at one point for Biden's State of the Union speech. So we'll have to see what happens here. We're going backwards. We're going backwards. That's what I'm afraid of. That's yeah. Anywho, onto our next topic under this week in fascism. I came across this two-part interview in on Salon.com this week with a former congressman named Joe Walsh. I don't know if you're familiar with I know, his name. I know Joe Walsh. Yeah. You may remember the 
Obama's State of the Union speech when oh, someone yelled out, you lie? Yeah, he was the one? That was Joe yeah. Walsh. He rose up during the whole Tea Party movement and became a big opponent of Obama. And he eventually <laughs> turned against Donald Trump and he did actually run at one point against him in the Republican primaries for a short, very short while in 2020. So he basically now is totally anti-Trump, and they did this whole two-part interview with him, and he said, among other things I'm going to tell you, he said, these people, the Trump folks, the Republican voters of today, they would happily burn this country down to get the country they want. They would happily do it, and they tell me that. I don't think the folks who watch CNN and MSNBC every night really understand that fact. He went on to say their country, they, they believe their 1953 America has been taken away from them. In the form of Donald Trump, they have somebody who's going to bring it back step by step. These Trump followers are taking the long view. The MSNBC crowd does not understand that fact at all. And he fucking nails it right on the head. He really does. Especially about the Democrats and the liberal media. They're just rolling over. They need to start calling out the Republicans for what they are. They're fascists. And I think it's important to say, though, I, I, that, that I'm not going to, I wouldn't paint a broad stroke that it's all Republicans. It's the, it's, it's a faction of them. But I'd say any Republican voice. who by this point has not changed their registration. I'm sorry. I'm not talking about Republican voters. That's a whole different story. I'm talking about these people who are in office, the ones at the level levers of power. What's the difference? Hmm? There, oh, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. There's a big How? Difference. Because so if you're pe- not talking about the people at home, then who are you talking about? The people, the people, the home, people in the pa- with the power to get these this message, this type of message out. People at home wouldn't know fascism if it hit them in the head. They don't. They, they have sent, no idea what it is. But they sent these people there. Except that they know these they were their want choices. Them. These were the people. These were the people that the people mm-hmm. chose. But they chose them for specific things. They didn't look at the at everything that they were were yeah. were, uh, were selling. And I don't think they they started out selling this also, stuff. All it ta- all it takes is. <laughs> I a, don't know, Sheila. No. they've been pretty blatant for a pretty long time. All, all it takes, I think, is a larger group of these Republicans who see what's coming. To actually push back against it. Now, look, it may take it may take another decade because I don't. I think we won't be America another decade. Well, that's the thing. The problem is we're baked into the cake now. The fight to get the way to do it is them to leave the is to not support any Republican and go and support the Democrats to get these Republicans out of power. But unfortunately, that's not that's not going to happen either because for how many years have they painted the Democrats as the evil locusts upon the land? Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they have painted him into this caricature of evil that the American people swallow hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. You know, the Republicans can do as much bad as they want. And for some reason, some reason the shit done. does not stick to them. It, it's un, it is unreal. There are no consequences. And unfortunately, what are you the talking media, about? Because there's the, no consequences. Nobody, nobody, Vladimir Putin has not suffered a single consequence for anything he's done since he sat his ass down on that velvet. And, and... Why not? 
Because he's not like, but well, first of all, he's not a he's not living in a country that's supposed to be democratic. But he's representing <laughs> a mindset that has found its way right into the center of democratic power. A sect of the Democrat Island. Yeah, a sector that's powerful enough for us to have been spending this time on for for a lot of for a lot of years now. We've been talking about this sector of people, this one third of people. Who are a third? They they are a full third of the American people. There is just no getting around that, and you have to confront that. Mm -hmm. Who are these people? The representatives that they send to represent them in Congress is a clear vision of who they are. Well, which is harder to say now with the gerrymandering thing because now the gerrymandering yeah. thing has fucked everything up. Yep, exactly. So that's that's a crazy thing. But but the people, uh, the power is in the electorate. The end. Like the period to me, that's where the power. You got to send the people there who you who you as a community want to be there. And, you, and, well, and that's basically what Walsh when they ask him, they're like, "What's the best way to combat this?" And he basically said, "You have to outvote them." Yes, that's you the, have the to end. outvote that's them. That's the answer. We now move on to our next segment. He says it so happily. Yes, I do because. One of the people here is the originator of the segment. Oh, I love oh, this part. Crap. The reason this why the we part, have this podcast this in the, the first place. I'm here every Tuesday because you wouldn't come. It's time for <laughs> Sheila Has a Question. Oh, man. Come on, this one's easy. <laughs> have you already submitted your question? No, no, we don't no, know. This is live. No, this is live. This is live. We have no, no idea the question will the be. The only person who knows what's going to happen is Patrick. He gets very upset when you ask him a question that he doesn't know when it's... He doesn't know this one because yes. I didn't get a chance. No, he don't know this one. We're blind. I don't know if I should say it. Go oh, ahead, say it. Say it, say it, say it, say it. Say it. <laughs> Sing it, Louise. Oh, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This, this is a, 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 a question about the queer community. Okay. All right. I am being exposed more to the... It's like the queer community is diversifying mm -hmm. themselves. All these these separate divisions that are coming in. Right. They're being developed, right? And my question is, how is that beneficial? This is my question, too. To the, <laughs> to the queer community in general. How does it add to... Add another letter to the alphabet, you add another separation between people. Huh? You add another letter to the LGBTQIA B plus the you add another letter, you're putting another division between people. Well, that's kind of I think that's what I'm saying. Well, that's or, what I'm or, or, or my question is, how is it beneficial to you for your cause, for your movement to have this it's like every other day they're 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 multiplying. You you know I, I Patrick, we are asking you. It's a good and question, am I being, and, and am I and I don't. It's not coming from a. I just don't know. I I'm, I want you to educate me on this. I, I mean, if I, I, I had to say the full acronym, it would be L G B T Q I A plus. Correct. That is that. that is, it would be the full acronym. Correct. The full official acronym. The latest, any that is correct. That is correct. It's gotten to the point of ridiculousness. It's, it's it's see. I prefer the word, which I know a lot of younger generations don't. I prefer calling it the queer community. I, I, I will say. I will say this, Patrick. I have embraced queer as as the youngest queer here. Um, I have embraced queer and the queer identity. I'm a gay man, but I identify. But I also identify as queer. I think that what is happening. You're a gay Jew? I know, shocking. 
Jesus. Uh, I'm in theater, Tommy, too. Where are your horns? Holy uh, shit. Jeez. <laughs> Damn. Anyway, so I think what is happening, because it's happening with, with, the, with the generation just below me and, and beyond, so it's like the Gen Z and, and, and so on, that's happening with, is that they're becoming more in tune, thank you to the internet, about really individualizing themselves and really finding exactly who they are. Now there's, there's bisexual, and there's pansexual, and there's polyamorous, and there's all these things that kind of mean the same thing, but if you really go and it's dive... It's all variations. Point, it's variations of. And I think it's... Variations being, of what? Tell being, me. Being queer. Well, so, being human? Or having a sex job? Most of the... I mean, the community... It started out being about sexual identity. And now, now it's, it's more gender, gender identity Correct. Now. And they're it's, now... And they've come... So, so they, they've, they've, merged, together. they've merged together. Well, it wasn't, and it wasn't always an easy merge. It's still not an easy merge. No, it's still it not. It's still not. Let me an ask. Easy you, I'm sorry. I'm gonna be the fly in the ointment every step of this way here. <laughs> I, I okay. expected nothing less. Yeah, okay. So, so uh, where are those people going to go? Where are the gender identity people going to go to find people that they can be with? They're I and mean, they're coming into the queer community. Uh, so, yes. So but where involved. else are they going? There is nowhere else for them to go. There is nowhere else for them to go. That we, and it's become the LGBT thing has become a sexual thing, and it shouldn't be. Well, I I think it's yes. It's you have I to can, speak. I, I cannot speak to it because I am not gay. But but as, right, a, as somebody but, who I, absorbs but, media, what are you I, seeing? I I, I I I would think I I understand the plight or the struggles of the gay community, mm-hmm. and I don't see how all these other little divisions helps with the growth. And the forward movement of that. Well, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. doesn't. It's not meant to. I'll, but I also, you also got to remember, remember Stonewall. Who was in Stonewall? It's well, trans women. There were black trans women. Black yeah. trans women. Black trans women. Absolutely. And that's what we're talking about. So I, and they're the ones who, for decades, feel sh- felt shunted by the community mm-hmm. every Stonewall anniversary. They've yeah. been doing all the dying. They've you know? been taking all the beating. They are the been, ones they, out there. They've been holding, you know? throwing Absol- all the stones. Absolutely. I didn't know that until about five years ago. Okay. So well, meeting exactly. Guys, I did not know that. I, th- I think... The, I had heard about Stonewall, but I didn't know this the beginnings. Works. What was the bar? There was a bar in New Orleans that was the second story of a... The Upstairs Lounge. That was uh, the fire. The fire, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. That was that was epic. That was ridiculous. And I didn't, I didn't, I never heard about that it until ten years. I never heard about it until ten years ago. And that happened like nineteen seventy. What think. happened? It's an, it's a, it was it was uh, it was an upstairs bar in New Orleans. It was a gay bar uh, upstairs, New Orleans. Went on fire, and supposedly uh, a man who was asked to leave the bar, or whatever, may have correct. said it. Uh, yeah, yep, supposedly he set the fire. Set bar on fire, and uh, how many people died? Hundreds? A lot. It was a uh, hundred. Uh, uh, and it was that didn't make national news. No, no, because it was, it was, no, was a bunch of queers dying in 1970. No one cared. It was a gay bar. Nobody cared. The, picture nobody cares. the pictures you see, no, you see the, the dead people in the windows. Yeah, because the windows had bars on and stuff. Awful. But back, back to Sheila's question. I think what I fear is that the division is actually coming from within the queer community at a resistance to expanding it. But also from the new people coming into the community about what those who came before them fought for yeah. and what they went through. Um, so well, that's well, it's, it's, generation it's, it's, it's a generation. generation, yeah, but generation. Every new generation is going to come in with new demands yeah, and, and new I expectations. Think, I, I think that's, that's what you know, we're considered the old guard. But I have to say, in the new gays, 
the new gays that I come in contact mm-hmm. with, they have much more of an appreciation of the Gen X gays. They're like, they, they understand, in my lifetime, I, I graduated high school in 1985. In 1985, being gay was a very different thing than it is now. <laughs> yes, it was. Okay? And in my lifetime, my lifetime's not very long. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that was 30 years ago. In 30 years, what has changed is, but I never thought, I never thought gays were going to be able to get married. Are you kidding me? That's a joke. No way. There's no way. Gays ever, fuck motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Gays get married. All sorts of people get married. So, it's just an amazing shift that has happened. And I think the today gays understand that people who they can still look to over saw that. They yeah. appreciate that a little I, more. I hope certainly so. more than I did as a generation. I, right? I, I certainly hope so. I fear that there are some in the community who don't and who feel, who are still, yes, there is still oppression toward the community. But there are those who are embracing that oppression in such a way that is detrimental to our progress. Let me ask you a question. Is this maybe another step toward Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Coalition? Where it's everybody getting in. Gender identities? Sure. Come on in gender identities. And we saw Is how, it, and you remember, we see how well that that worked. Well, <laughs> well. <laughs> but I, that's what I'm saying. Well, he didn't get elected. It, it, it waters the fight. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's, it's still the same fight, and I'll tell you why. I think Jesse's one of the underrated no, that's that's another show too, and I can, I will not I'm not put okay. down Justin Jackson uh, on air. Okay, uh, okay. That's another one. okay. It is it is still the same fight because it is a fight to it is a fight for representation Shh. and it is a fight to be to be heard and to be who you are to be seen so, to be seen. So it's the same fight. We're now just fighting instead of fighting for marriage or well, I mean, I fear in ten years we might be going back to that fight, but that's besides the point. But I think it's more no more a fight for for marriage as it now is, or to not. It's now a fight to survive. It's a fight to be you. It's a fight to not be fired. It's a fight to be acknowledged. Yes, there's yes. the don't say gay bill in Florida, yes. and now a half a dozen other state legislatures. And what are they doing? They're saying gay all over the fucking place down in Florida. Do they want to ban any mention of gays or homosexuality, Please. anything involving the LGBT going, community? Going right back to the, to the, to the 80s, cannot, the 90s. You cannot discuss right it back. in school anymore. So That's we're going, we're going back, back there, to. too. So I I do think our community is realizing the that. The question is, should, is that something that should be discussed in public school? Should public school teachers be addressing homosexuality let, with their students? I will, let, me, let me tell you why the answer is yes. Now, I went to a private middle school and high school. So maybe it's different. So to Tommy's question, I was 13 years old in the seventh grade health class. Get mitzvah. Thi- thi- the, the health class book was, you know, 300 pages thick. And I remember clear as day, the, the health teacher saying, okay, everyone, now here's the chapter on homosexuality, and I can't talk about this with you because it's not appropriate. But if you want to read it on your own, go ahead. Now, what do you think that does to a 13-year-old kid questioning his sexuality? I, I'll tell you what it does. What it, what it did for me was put me back and never wanting to come out. Uh, so, and so I think that kind of language, because that's what you would have, is you'd have a health book, and the teacher would say, I can't talk about this. And what it does to a young teen is it makes them feel like there is something wrong with yeah. them. 
So that is why it absolutely should be discussed in public. It has to be. What they're doing yeah. is they're putting fuel on their own fire. Yes. They're making life worse for themselves. It's 9.30 because look what happens. The door opens and in comes Grandmama with cake. Oh, is it time for cake? It's time for cake. We're, we're going cake. to take a show. Tell us why. Hold on. Well, hold on. Have... I want to know why we're having cake. Why we're are we having, having cake? cake? Because it's celebrating your one thousand downloads. You said yes. that good. Yeah, I was concerned. So we're going to pause for a few minutes to have some cake and some pictures. No cake for you. We have now returned from our cake break. It was yummy. Black Forest. Not, no, Black, not Forest. Black Forest. Red, Red Velvet. Red Velvet. My God, how can you mix those two up? Cream cheese crust. Cream cheese crust. It was nice. It was delicious. Chewy crust. We now move on to our next segment. Celebrities saying stupid things. And this one, it's it's oh. like just shooting ducks in a barrel. I'll read the quote. And ducks I'm in sure a you'll guess who it was. You got your metaphors all kind of twisted. Ducks in a barrel. Well, you know. It's fish in a barrel. Whatever. Ducks in a barrel. Ducks in a barrel. Whatever. Better. Ducks, I'll shoot my ducks in a barrel. But ain't no okay. ducks in a barrel. You ain't got ducks in a barrel. It's your show. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't. You can put pigs in a barrel. I'm going to put him in a barrel <laughs> from over Niagara Falls. <laughs> barrel. Pig. Ducks in a barrel. Ducks anyway, see if you can guess who said this. Not only do we have the DC jail, which is the DC gulag, but now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police spying oh. on members of Congress, oh. spying on the legislative yeah. work that we do, spying on our staff, and spying on American citizens. This is what's that crazy woman from Missouri? Green. Is that Green? That's Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Green. I, I take issue you calling her a celebrity. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I'm beginning to think I should change the segment to just people saying stupid things. Public, there's there's unfortunately about, people. I'd say 75, 75% of the people who we list in here are politicians. So why don't you just make a politician yeah. saying stupid things? No, nah, because occasionally we have non-politicians saying stupid yes. things yeah. as well. Yeah. You know? Public people saying, because she's no Yeah, we'll just make it people saying yeah. stupid things. Humans. Like and humans. this one is like, oh, humans sound that is scientific. the, this is like the, the best, worst Malapropism. Yes, I have ever heard in my life. You just oh, yes. wanted to use the word malapropism. And you wonder why I don't want to come on. No, here. this is right. <laughs> See now, Sheila, I can respect that. I thought it was because you didn't want to make the trip, or for whatever reason you want to spend a Tuesday night. No, yeah, yeah, no. okay. No, that I agree with. Oh, yeah, no, I. Are word. you intimidated by my vocabulary, my dear? Slightly. <laughs> Please, Louise. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, gazpacho is a cold soup consisting of tomatoes, stale bread, cucumbers, onion, bell peppers, garlic, olive oil, wine vinegar, water, and salt. The Gestapo were the secret police of Nazi Germany. Never the two shall meet. Slight difference. Unless they're serving gazpacho to the Gestapo. Cold soup to the prisoners. <laughs> makes, you, makes you long for the days of George W. Bush, doesn't it? I have to. Oh God! Yes. Right? Lord, yes. Lord have mercy. I, I have, I'll take the. I'll take the war criminal. We now move on to five phase. Oh, five phase. And tonight, as part of our discussion of acting and theater, and being that it's Black History Month, to tonight's topic is our five favorite African American actors. Uh, Five favorite American actresses. Can I go first? You can go first. You want to go? You want to say it with me? Of course. You want to say it with me? Sure. Ready? Two, three. Audra, Audra McDonald. McDonald. <laughs> 
On my list too. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say a couple of words about uh, in description of her resume. Okay. She has won six Tony Awards more than any other human being ever. She has won them in every acting category available to her. That is, Best Actress in a Play, Best Featured Actress in a Play, Best Featured Actress in a Musical, and Best Actress in a Musical. Nobody else in the history of theater has ever done that. Yep. I have seen that woman do things on stage that are amazing. I saw her in Ragtime. Okay, I did not see Ragtime. I saw 110 in the Shade. I saw Porgy and Bess, which I did not need to see. Okay. Uh, the first time I went, Audrey McDonald wasn't in it. Tonight, the role of Audrey McDonald will do the role of best will be played by. And the fag in the, in the, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. The gay American in the box office <laughs> saw my face and told me to come to him. And he said, I can exchange a ticket. So I did. Because again, I did not need to see Porgy and Beth. Uh, and, uh, because it was her. The the thing that they did, she had to leave because she was pregnant and she was going to London. And oh. um, it was the it was, they, they gave it a really long title. It, and I saw her bill. I saw the Billie Holiday thing. Oh, she that was brilliant. Good. She was brilliant. brilliant. Me. That's when did, I became a fan of her. Did you see Frankie and Johnny? At the I did the not see Frankie and Johnny. The she was Lord. wonderful. Now I hate the play, but I thought she was wonderful. I don't want to see her naked. <laughs> I don't. It, it was. It was. It was really nothing. Not for any reason, nothing. except that 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 she to to the to the plane that I put her on, I should not see her naked. Fair, 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 fair. I don't either. Keeler, <laughs> <laughs> who's on, who's on your list? My first one was Cicely Tyson. Oh, Ooh, she almost made my list. I she, almost put her on. Cicely's on my list too. Well, you got two crossed off on yours as, already. As a young girl, she was like one of a few first black faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, have yeah. the others on my list. Too. Autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. Yeah, I always remember her. One for that. of my favorites. Right, that was one great. One of my favorites. You know, she doesn't get credit when I was reading up on her. They didn't give her credit for Roots. I remember her, her in Roots. I think she was the, the mother or the grandmother of Kunta. Roots? Yeah. Do you, he was in Roots. Do you fucking remember Roots? Roots of was course. Cra- that, that culturally, that was crazy. I couldn't crazy. watch it. I, 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 it took me 10 years after that. Really? To watch it because of the comments I was hearing from people around me that I knew that I would just get... Mad at them. Okay, <laughs> so it was had, brutal. But yes, Cicely Tyson. And I had the honor, finally, I got to see her in her last production, um, um, Trip to Bountiful. Bountiful. Yeah. And the the lady at 90, or I think she was 90 then, she just blew me away. That's amazing. She, yes. I, I You see something like that? Yes. That's amazing. Yes, I feel blessed. I got to see that. Cool. Awesome. Matt, who do you have on your list? Uh, he has a written paper down. As, he has, as, he as, has as, written as, down as, on paper. And Sheila has a written down. Because I don't have Google. You know what? Because we got an email like Saturday or something. That is a secret. <laughs> that we know. It's, it's supposed to be off the top of our heads. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I, I can only name four. They I, 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 I had trouble too. Oh, I no, had no I couldn't remember their names. I saw the faces. Oh, my God. My Google exists. Go ahead. Debbie Allen. Oh, Ooh, nice! Yeah, wow, and I, I with with gratitude even. Yes, I adore Debbie Allen. All my children, of course, and everything else that she's done. I just absolutely think she's wonderful, wonderful. Nice. She was in, she was in a, a Christmas movie a couple of years ago. I love with Dolly Parton. She was everything. She everything Debbie Allen touches, I think, is gold. 
really You're not wrong. for cat on a hot tender. Well, that's all the story. Yeah. <laughs> I, saw, I saw her sweet charity. Really? Back in the day. Oh, wow. And the one of the three, it was, it's charity, Helene, and there's three girls, Gabrielle, or what, I don't remember what, Gabrielle, I think, is West Side Story. But there's three girls, two girls, charity has two friends making three girls. Charity was <laughs> Debbie Allen and uh, Lilith Crane. Help me with her real name. Come B.B. Newworth. B.B. Newworth was one of the two girls next to her. B.B. Newworth was nobody. And B- Debbie Allen was fame. Yeah. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. And it's, it's one of my favorite shows. And it was, it's, an, it's something I'll never forget is, is that, that performance. Of, uh, Debbie Allen is amazing. Too. Oh, she's. That's a good choice. I like her sister, too. I love her. I, uh, uh, she's, yeah, she's I saw, love her. I, there was a moment today, you know, when I was, when I was attending to things that I thought, you know what, maybe I'll, maybe I'll see. I thought about her too. She yeah. deserves to be on my list. Yeah, she does. She does. She does. Go ahead. What's what? your face? On my list, my first one is Octavia Spencer. Oh, oh almost made my love list. Love yes. Octavia. Yes. Almost made and the my friend, list. You know what I first saw her on? Was the TV show Mom. I, right, yes. That's what I first saw her on. Yes. Was the TV show Mom. She played a recovering alcoholic. Yep. Who joined, ends up joining the group and she gets involved with them. And I think she also becomes, she's a, she's a gambler, gambler she's a, too. She's a gambler. And she yeah, all up, these then issues. She, then she ends up in prison, but she comes out of prison like reform. Yeah. Like, well, but what was the movie that put her on the map? Oh. Um, uh, the Help. The Help. Yeah, that's when, that's she, put her that's when she gained my attention, yeah. and then I had her backstory. So yes, yeah. wonderful actress, oh. wonderful. You Love watch her. a TV show? What? She's got a series on um, Apple TV. Oh, I don't get it. I don't have Apple and TV. Truth, it, uh, truth be told, it's fabulous. Oh, okay, cool. Fabulous. Good to know. Okay, who's next? Okay, Tommy's next. That's me. What are we up to? Number two. Yep. Not that it matters. I'm stalling for time because I can't remember what the fuck I did. And you made fun of us for having papers. Yeah. Who did I say? I said Audrey McDonald. Yes, you said Audrey. Okay. I'm going to go here with, uh, I'm going to go with Dorothy. I'm going to go with Dorothy Dandridge. Ooh. Good one. It's an old I'm choice. A, I'm a, I'm a, I'm you went back go on that one. Uh, that, is a, that is glamour to me. That is old yeah. school black Hollywood right. glamour. glamour. Dorothy Dandridge. Yeah. Good not a big career, not a long career, no. not a very famous career. but uh, Memorable. Memorable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Dorothy. choice. Love you. Sheila. Ruby D. Oh, wow. Great. Yep. Raisin in the Sun. Yep. I, and I, she, I think the last TV thing she was on was like Stay Away to Heaven or one of those things. She you did know. something very, very near when she, she, yeah. I miss yeah. the, I miss uh, the love book when all of those people would have a yeah. chance to come yeah. on for an episode. I remember her in Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing. Great. Her and her husband. Right? Yeah. Oh, I, I adore her. And I missed the shot. They were doing a workshop at Columbia. And I miss getting in to one of her workshops, you know. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> go ahead. Matthew? Uh, Viola Davis. Oh! Yes! That was next on my list. <laughs> that was on my list. Yes. I was holding yes. on because I figured you all were going to have a little... <laughs> you got to check that off all of us. Universally, yes. we all love... Or, yes. or do we just I mean, stipulate Amazing actress. Yes. Oh, God. Just. I first saw her on How to Get Away with Murder. Yeah. Yes. Right. And and I see, I oh my God! She yeah, blew, blew me away that yeah. whole first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. she was doing. Oh my God! And the writing went off the rails later. And later yeah, but she, but she, she, she was she played phenomenal. She, she pulled that wig off. 
in that oh, episode right. and took off. First, she took off the, the, the eyelashes. Yeah. She wiped off her face. And she started with the hair with those plaits. I'm going, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know? that, that was a cult, cultural moment. It, 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 what a cultural yeah, moment. It was yeah, a well, real yeah. moment. She's getting, that was a real She's cultural getting ready to go moment. to bed and nobody goes to bed in a wig. No, no that's for true. Yeah, I, re- I remember. The, I, I remember <laughs> so the talk behind that. What a cultural moment that. Yeah, was. Well, I was. I was like, please don't show that, please, because every black woman we know what that looks like. <laughs> you oh know. Oh my god. But she needed to. Yeah. And one thing, because she's on my list, so I only have four now. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm down to one because y'all. She, yeah. Because she's not afraid. To That's be what I was ugly. just gonna say. Yeah. She's not afraid to be ugly. Who you got, Patrick? Next on my list, I'm not sure if you... She's not a big-name star. Her name is Patricia Belcher. She's a character actress. Do you ever watch the show, TV show Bones? Yes. You know the woman DA, the prosecutor? I'll pull up her picture. Oh, sure. Wait, it's important for his house. He turns around like his ass is on fire. He turns around to that keyboard. You, you couldn't believe how fast he just moved. <laughs> this little fucker. There it is. There it is. The typing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that woman. You don't know her? I don't know that She's woman. She's like in everything. Well, I watched Oh, I know her. Times. That's her name? Patricia Belcher is her name. She's don't a great know. character well, actress. She's, She's like in all over the place. All right. She's also in the movie uh, Jeepers Creepers also. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Is that a scary movie? Yeah, that's why you haven't seen that. Where did you get those peepers? Excuse me? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next on your list, Thomas? The cheapest peepers I went with the obvious oh. next to it. It's very lowbrow. Yeah, very. Yeah. Who's next on your list, motherfucker? It's lowbrow even for us. <laughs> I do musicals. Uh, Rochelle, is that her name? Rochelle, okay, Captain Uhura. Lieutenant Uhura. Lieutenant Uhura. Michelle Nicole. Michelle. I yes. love her. I. Uh, holy shit! Who, who, what is her name? Michelle. Michelle Nichols. Michelle Nichols. Nicholas? Yep. Nichols. She still looks great. Oh, yes. my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know. Did you see her? What's the, the Ryan Reynolds movie? You mm. got to narrow that down, Patrick. The one, the superhero one. I, I, oh, oh, oh. oh. Uh, uh, is he, he's Green Lantern? Is that what no, you're No, no, not that one. He's no. a fake one. It's the, the oh, funny one. The oh, silly one. Oh. Crap, man. God, do I have to look this up now, too? Yeah. Only if you want the answer and stop growling like a fucking bulldog. Okay, oh, no. you, you with your jowls over there that we now have on camera. See, I don't know the difference between his friendly but growl and the get the shut the fuck up growl. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Deadpool. Deadpool. I love that movie. Didn't see that. It's so silly. Yeah. So where are we? Who I forget. How did we get on that conversation? Rochelle. Oh, the show's called. She's in the Deadpool. She plays a blind woman. And she's hysterical. <laughs> I just think Captain Uhura is Lieutenant uh, that Uhura. Lieutenant Uhura. Uh, okay, how, fuck her in a rank, okay? Uh, excuse me, you're dealing with a trucker here. You get her rank right, motherfucker. <laughs> Lute- uh, whatever. Her with her finger at her ear and those manicures and that makeup that was always absolutely flawless. And the hair. And the hair was miraculous. And you, the body? Da- and you can thank Dr. Martin Luther King for her staying on the show because she was she was ready to quit. And he told her, please yeah. stay. He goes, you're because such a, you're oh, a God. symbol. Oh, yeah. God. No. Oh, no. At people. No. Yeah. That was the only black woman on television. Mm. Except for maybe Dinah. Uh, uh, Diane Carroll. Diane Carroll. Which is my next one. Diane Carroll. Yeah. Julia. 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 Yeah. Julia. And to see a black woman portrayed on TV that was not a maid. Exactly. Or a housekeeper. Right. She was a nurse. She was professional. She was the lead. With a normal, <laughs> like, 
a normal child, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, Dying Cat was my next one. Ooh, That's a good okay. one. Good one. Dying Cat, we're up to you. And she's yes. bad in Dynasty. Oh, I love yeah. that. She's one. great in Dynasty. Dominique Devereaux. Yes. <laughs> You're such a drag man. Right. Dominique <laughs> Devereaux. There's one in every town. Every drag bar has a Dominique Devereaux. Devereaux. <laughs> they pronounce Devereaux differently, but it's always Dominique. <laughs> So the last one on my list that hasn't been said, uh, Loretta Devine. Yes. Oh my God! Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, she oh, oh, girl. okay. That's why. Okay. So she's done a lot. <laughs> so, uh, so I got to know her first uh, on Boston Public, which was this David E. Kelly series in the very early two thousands about the uh, public school in Boston. And I loved and it. She did Grey's Anatomy. She did Grey's Anatomy. She's done a lot of the Tyler Perry films nowadays. But she's, I yeah. love. Her. Yeah, she great. is wonderful, 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 wonderful. You nice. Next, I got Alfrey Woodard. Yes. Alfrey, love her. I was looking at her. Too. Love her. I think she's such an underrated actress. Yeah. She's never really gotten to do that. She's you're, that she you're deserves. Absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But she's that. constantly working. She's oh my never god, had that breakout. Yeah. No. And one of my favorite things by her, it goes with the nerd in me, is when she's in the film. Star Trek First Contact. Didn't see that one. Uh, and see and she, that one she has this big confrontation scene with Patrick Stewart near the end of the movie. It's a great scene. I mean, she's great throughout the whole movie. She's basically this 21st century person who's suddenly on board this 23rd century ship which part, as part of the story. And she hooks up with Patrick Stewart's character, Captain Picard, through most of the movie. And then later on, she has this big fight scene with her, this big argument. It just... I love her. Love, love, love her. Oh, my God. Incredible actress. Yes. Can't yes. say enough good about her. Right? Unsung. Absolutely. Okay. Tommy. Tommy. I have another one? Mm-hmm. One more. One more? Well, I'm going to go with Butterfly. McQueen? Of course. Oh, wow. You, you really went back. No, but how do you not? Don't know nothing about her. But no, but her name should be, in this topic, her name should be mentioned. On Black Absolutely. History Month, Agreed. her name should be his. his so, and, and worthy. Yes. Definitely worthy. Absolutely worthy. Can't remember anything past that movie, but I'm sure. But it was, you know what? I think it was. I think it was the cultural reach that she had, that she had for other black actresses, that she had for other minority actresses across the board, that she had for other humans. Uh, yeah, Butterfly McQueen. But she was. That was a fucking thing. What she did. Definitely. And all she did was go to work. <laughs> that's all she did was she go to work she conducted herself professionally she did her job and yeah go butterfly well my last one because y'all name my others right goes with her Hattie Hattie McDaniels. McDaniels right I have so much respect for her and sadness this woman yeah. died believing her race hated her yeah because she only got she only played maids she played or the mammy, mammy. Right, right, right. the mammy, right? And instead of looking at, she's the first black Academy Award winner, right? Right. She's the first black who they were saying she only got credit for eighty three, and she actually did over one hundred and twenty movies. You know, she was working. She was working, and we should have supported that. But all they saw was the part that she played. And I can't imagine as an actor leaving this world thinking my people turned against me because of a part I played. played yeah. right? You know, not to mention, she was active in the civil rights. And yeah. how, even that part about her being, have to sit off by herself 
at during the Academy Awards. She wasn't allowed to sit with them. Yeah. She yeah. didn't accept the award in the same room as everybody else. Yep. But she did it gracefully. Yeah. And it was an award for all. Uh, it was the first. And I wish she was alive to hear how grateful we are. We we have evolved enough to appreciate yeah. what she did. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Uh, you're, oh, you're, you're out of here. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's out of here. So I'm down to my last on one. But I also have an honorable mention before I go to my last one. My you honorable always, You always do. I always you put do. You learn at five. You know, I know what I... Please, you've named five people as one <laughs> category sometimes. That's please. True. So don't give me that. that crap. I have done that. My honorable mentions for an up-and-coming actor, well, relatively up-and-coming, her name is Ruth Nega. I saw her this past summer in uh, St. Anne's Warehouse in a production of Hamlet in which she played Hamlet. And she is now going to be starring in Macbeth with James Bond. Oh, with uh, Daniel Craig. With Daniel Craig. Is she playing Macbeth? No, she's playing she's Lady M. stage? What? She's stuck a stage actor? You could say Macbeth. I believe she's making mo- I did say it, but I just said no, Lady M. I said I said the play's name before. I just said Lady M. It's a shorter, okay? <laughs> Why are you talking the back of your throat like that? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> to keep the blood vessels from bursting out of my neck. Fair enough. Good <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, she, good actress. I, I, I want to see her do more. I really do. She's great. And who's number five? Number five, it was a composite of a number of them because they all come from the same similar background. But I'm going to name one of them because she was my favorite on the show. Now is Dominique Jackson on Pose. Oh, Pose is. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I Stephen and I really, really enjoyed it's it a lot. It's beautifully photographed. It's beautifully staged, and I questioned some of the acting choices. Mm. I questioned a lot of the. Well, acting. it's a Ryan. What's his name? Ryan, Ryan Murphy. Murphy. Ryan Murphy show. Don't you first dare! Of all. Don't you dare! I know. I believe we go, not, we <laughs> go back and forth on him. You I know. Accolade. go back and forth on him. I think. Oh no. Okay. Yeah, no. You don't go back and forth. But for a Ryan Murphy here. show, I really, really <laughs> like this. The writing for the show has been wonderful. It's basically ran for like a total of like three seasons, I think. Yeah. And was, there was a was, bit of a gap of time between the second and third. And it's basically about this trans woman who starts her own family or her own house in the ball scene. And basically the various exploits that they all go through. Billy Porter was on the show. That's Billy the Porter big was that comes out who play, of that. He played the character of Pray Tell, who's basically like the MC of the balls. Uh, and oh my God, he's, he's, he's amazing in the show. I believe he was at least nominated if he didn't win an Emmy for because he's just, he's great. The good the thing show. about what they did there, this goes back to casting. You let Billy Porter do. You cast him in a part like this. He's the head of a drag family. He's he's leading the drag community in these drag balls. You let Billy Porter do whatever the fuck Billy Porter wants. And he does. To do. And he does. Thank God, God bless do, him. Do, right? Give him access to clothes and a musical director and let, let him go. But these actresses on this show, I mean, they're all trans actresses. And this one, Dominique Jackson, she played this character named Electra. She was the bitch diva yeah. queen Diane, of this Diane rival Cowell. house, of this rival family. She, oh my God, she, great character. And then I read about her life and what she went through. She was born in Trinidad. She was sexually abused at her church at one point. She ended up leaving her family, became a sex worker, came to the States, eventually got into modeling, and then I believe, and somehow got into posing and into acting. And just an incredible story about this woman. What What's she her had name? to go through. Dominique Jackson. Dominique. 
Dominique Electra. What was the other one, Dominique? The name of the character is Electra. No, no, okay, but there was another Dominique we talked about before. That was Dominique Devereaux, the character Dominique played Devereaux. by Dan- Diane Carroll. Yeah, you got to do a shoulder roll. <laughs> Dominique. But, Devereaux. I mean, to me, she's a, she's a stand-up. I mean, even the lead character, her, I forget her name, uh, Jai Rodriguez or something like yes. that. I can't think about her name. Yes. She's the lead character. She's phenomenal. She, I think she just won some... She did. Um, she just won an Emmy. She did just win the Emmy. Okay. She, phenomenal. All the actresses on the show, I, I just give them so much credit for what they're doing. They're, <laughs> they're, they're not just playing trans people. They're playing these characters and coming from a background where these characters came from, which just makes it that much wow. more poignant. Wow. Yeah. Could, really powerful show. I should watch it, huh? I highly recommend it. Definitely. Definitely recommend it. Going with an good open choices, mind. Guys. Yeah, yeah, that was good. very good I choices. I had all the old ones, but <laughs> I'm sorry, I went to Butterfly. Yeah, I know you both went I was there. Right there <laughs> we now move on to our final segment of the good show. God, it's which is the Thursday Grumpy Old Gay Man Gripe of the Week. Tommy, oh, you know what? I'm not prepared. You don't have one. I, 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 I don't, don't believe he doesn't have one. Yeah, but if you give me a minute, um, uh, <laughs> uh Stephen started editing. He hates my uh, Stephen. He hates that. Uh, I hate when Stephen hates when I uh, because sometimes like it comes as a surprise to me. I don't get the script ahead of time. Only you know. So my gripe of the week is that I get mocked because of my uh, <laughs> and I'm buying time to formulate an answer. That's my gripe of the week. Sheila, <laughs> you have a gripe of the week. I Beat that, Sheila. I, 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 I wouldn't, but you just make, doing your ahs, I thought of something. I do. Go ahead. We just had that snowstorm, all right? Whenever I drive my car, I make it a point to clear off the tops. I oh. get pissed when I'm on the highway, I'm with you. right? And all of a sudden, this big slab comes back at me. Or even if it's not even frozen yet, you get this fog of snow. Right, and they're going out uh, about their business. I could get killed. They don't know about it. Nothing's going to happen to them, and I'll just be dead. You're right. Clean off the roof of your freaking cars. That's all. It's the law. That's it. That that. That's, That's a good, good one. That's a good That's one. That's a good. fucking good, good one, right? Good, good, good. I wish I wasn't responsible for not cleaning off the roof of my car the last time. <laughs> you truth, didn't do it? No, but truth be told, I didn't travel very far. That doesn't mean. I know. I know. I feel the guilt. I feel the guilt. I, oh, I, it takes a minute. But the car is so much bigger now that it's like it's 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 a it's an SUV now instead of like a. And little, those are the ones that I have a little car. You're the ones that would kill me because you can't reach. Stand on a ladder. He's, she's not. Lying. Get a broom. Because I have complained about this before myself when I drove a little car. It's 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 dangerous. It is dangerous. It's awful. Good one, Matthew. Uh, my gripe of the week is I take mass transit. I don't have a car. I don't drive. The lack of mass trends on Long Island has really gotten to me. I had this conversation with someone earlier this week. We were talking about how 10 years ago you could get literally anywhere on the island with a bus or a train, and they've cut so much of the bus service, yeah. of the bus service specifically, yeah. that it is virtually impossible to get almost anywhere unless you're in a really metro part of Long Island. And it's dry, It's now officially driving me nuts. Because buses are for poor people. We don't keep the poor. We can't well, this is old. this is Long Island. You know? But it's always been that way. Yeah, and yeah. Shall it always be? Oh yeah. Whenever they do budget cuts, bus services. Bus services are the first. But yeah. even, the, even the trains are. Even they haven't even got the trains back well, up the, and running. Well, the, the trains. They, they haven't got the trains back up and running to pre-pandemic levels. I agree, but I I I was going to move into Riverhead mm-hmm. when they they built these artists. 
uh, apartments out yeah. there, and I actually got one, right? And but I need access to Western um, Long Island yeah. and to the city, yeah. right? So I checked into the train schedule. Yeah. Oh yes, the the apartments are right by. The, you could I could step out of the place and there's the train, but yeah. it only runs. Twice a day. Twice a day. Eleven thirty in the morning and coming back yeah. at three. You want you yeah. want to know how many times I'd like to take a train out to Riverhead to go to the outlet stores or just you can't. Well, I love that area. I you, you can't, can't do it. You know, and, and, and the closest you gotta, gotta, gotta go hotel room. You gotta go the closest train was was Ronkonkoma, which is thirty miles, thirty yeah. minutes away. Yeah. You know, you gotta change it you gotta change at Babylon, anyway. No, I don't. No, you don't. No, Ronkonkoma is the Ronkonkoma. Oh, no, it's a different line. Yeah. yeah, it's the beginning ah, of the line. That's, yeah, that's okay. a great point. You got train stations on Long Island that they're paying for. The MTA is paying to maintain them, and they use them twice a day. Right yes, now. twice a day to make any sense. So I said, no, thank you. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's crazy. So good one. That's my gripe. Yep. My gripe. It's complicated. Oh God. I think because I was just overdosing on the news this week, as I do when I'm getting ready for this and stuff. But just reading about this whole thing with the trucker convoys and people protesting these mask mandates and the people getting into fights with people in stores over wearing masks. And I was thinking back to the 1930s and the 1940s. In the 1930s, you had a depression where people were forced to go without. And then you had a war in the 1940s where people had to make all these sacrifices in support of the war. Sacrifices on how many consumer goods? I think of they put they had to put up blackout curtains. They had curfews, lights out, sugar. They had all these sacrifices that these people made back then in and during that time. You couldn't get sugar, and you can't even get people to wear a fucking mask today. And it's just so disheartening. It's like what's going to happen when a worse virus comes along? And it will. And it will. What's going to happen then? It just seems like we just like we've overvalued this whole concept of this American rugged individualism, and there's just no longer any kind of sense of you know community or responsibility to other people anymore. Responsibility to the country. It's all about themselves. Yeah, and about my rights, my yes. this, my that. And it's like, how would you people have survived in the 30s and 40s? They wouldn't have. Yeah, they would, because they wouldn't have thought like that. Yeah, That's true. They would have been shunned. They would not have been quite as entitled. They wouldn't have been tolerated. Tolerated. A doctor was talking to that point today. Even though the the COVID rates is coming down, she was still encouraging people to wear their masks mm-hmm. because, as we've seen, how this virus can mutate. Right? And she's just saying it's not forever. Right, but it's got to come down a little bit more before we can go mask free. And it's only in public places, crowds. She's not saying walking outside. Of course, you know of what's course. the big deal. And more importantly to that, uh, Patrick, if you decide to wear your mask, you shouldn't be reprimanded or or uh, uh, made fun of or teased or whatever because right? you're wearing a mask. The entitlement that that, that actually that's great, but the entitlement that they have to tell you. What you should be doing. Right. Don't tell me what I should be doing, but I'm going to tell you what you should be doing. Okay, yeah. so now you're infringing on my right to Karen videos. If you take <laughs> these people away from the populace, I get no more Karen videos. I, mean, I, I think it's a sacrifice worth making. I need my I, fucking Karen videos. I think Karens predate 
the wearing of masks. Absolutely. So <laughs> Karen, Karen, Karen will be around. Will evolve. Yeah. They'll they'll, they'll evolve. protest That'll the next week. And don't forget the, for what, what, what are the male versions? Are they what are they? Uh, Chad, the Chad, Ken's, Kevin's. Who is Karen? Oh. Oh. Do, wait a minute. Is she in relation to C? No. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you could get that no stage sorry theater in any place in America. I missed that. I, I saw something on Facebook. Someone saying, I'm not a Karen. So, no, your name is... No, but you're no, no, Karen. No, no, no. A Karen is one of these women who will like... Let's be clear. White suburban women. Let's yes, a white, usually, usually a white a, suburban woman. With children asking to see the manager. Yeah. Over uh, some uh, trivial no airports. Um, and makes it into this outrageous violation of her liberties. It's worth Or something along those lines. Well, is worth so we add, that's a new word. It's a Karen. It's yeah. a Karen. It's that's up there with gaslighting, right? Yes. Yes. It's, okay. a, it's all the same time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. The time frame is similar. And Chad is the, the male version. version of the, yeah. Thanks for the education. <laughs> you got to research some Karen. It is well worth it. I met a few. <laughs> we are, I'm sure. You're going to identify. But I just called them by name. <laughs> We now come to the finale of our show. It's not Aww. possible. It really is. <laughs> what are your plans for the weekend, Tommy? Uh, I'm going to work this weekend. Where at? I'm going to work at Manus Theater and on Theater Row over there on Wellwood Avenue in Lindenhurst, right next door to where uh, 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 Mass Appeal. Not Mass Appeal. Uh, <laughs> Intimate Apparel. I was going to let him struggle. I'm not going to let Yeah, I know you were going to let me go. We'd be here for another 10 minutes. Intimate Apparel. Yeah, we'd <laughs> block from there yeah working uh yeah doing stuff and what play is gonna be at your theater you're working at uh this weekend starting thursday night they're presenting history boys as a matter of fact i'll be there on thursday night to see the history boys i will be hiding ducking behind something <laughs> hoping that you walk right past me we're actually going there to see bryce powell oh, one of, of our previous guests he's supposed to be wonderful yes playing one of the students in it I'm we want to thank our producer Stephen <laughs> Prendergast <laughs> for all his work and, and for providing cake. us with cake yes we love the cake as well as the wonderful baked ziti we all had for dinner that was <laughs> yeah we want to thank our wonderful guests, Matthew Rosenberg and Sheila Barksdale. Thanks this was fun. It was a pleasure us. having you on here. Quite, quite, quite an evening. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to do on a Tuesday night anyway in uh, February? Watch the skating. The finals. Oh, really? the what do you feel about that? What's going on? The, there? Can I do the finale, please? Oh, Jesus but this is so topical. I don't care. We're at the end of the goddamn show. Oh, but she's going to win. Oh, and God. what are they going to do when Just she talk wins? over them. We also want to thank all of our listeners and fans and followers who downloaded us now over a thousand. Last I checked, it was now a thousand forty, actually. One thousand and forty. Yep. So we want to thank you all very much. Keep spreading the word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. We need a PayPal. Not a PayPal account. We need a Just for Fans. Could you imagine how horrible that would be? You and me in a Just for Fans account. <laughs> That'd be perfect. Oh, my God. You talk, and you we'll talk, we'll and, talk. And you don't want to get pornography pictures. You don't want to get people sending him nudity pictures. No. I can understand that. I don't know why. You're a married man. Thank you. Stop it. Yeah, my poem, I'd like to choose it myself. I don't like people sending me their pictures. It's only Unless I request them. <laughs> anyway, our episodes are available on Stitcher, that Apple Podcasts, pictures, iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and many other podcast providers. You will find all of our episodes <laughs> on our <How's> website. 
www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com where not only we find our episodes, but you also find uh, links to bonus materials for each of our episodes. Which will be most of this show. <laughs> <laughs> really, how long have we done? So far, like, like 99 90- hours. So, well, yeah, what, what's Still no of- sign of land. How long is it? <laughs> <laughs> how long have we done? Not how long is it going to be. How long have we done? We're going very long right now. I love this Anyway, we, you can find us on Facebook as well and on Twitter. You can email me at Patrick at Grumpy old gay men and their dogs.com. And you can email me at. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I don't have an email address on this account, this this uh, this podcast thing. But they can email Patrick and Carol. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's fucked up. I'm and they sorry. can leave messages for Tommy on Twitter and Facebook, which too, they don't. You know? Well, actually, they do. A couple, a couple yes, of my yes, friends here from Michelle does. Yes, Scott. We need Scott Earl. Yes, we need Scott. That's a Scott. couple of the kids I worked with want to be on. I told oh, them. Oh, no, really? Because no, this is grown up. Well, we're oh, okay. friice, or I will leave you a message. Leave me a message. There, no, be- no, not on my account. On the on the on the grumpy old gay man. Is it Grumpy Old Game? Grumpy Old Game and, and, and their dogs. dogs. You know, never we, forget the dogs. You, but you can't, you can't make that a just a letter thing. What is that when it's just a letter thing? Like NASA? <laughs> well, I was gonna go with Gogmen. No, I don't like it. <laughs> Gogmen. What's that called? Men. It's just the letters of a word that means a word and it makes a word. We are the Gogmen. It's uh, a <laughs> abbreviation. No. Anagram. At maybe no. When it's when it's the, when it's the the initials of a of a of a thing and that makes Acronym. its own word. Acronym. Acronym. <laughs> yeah, Continue, please. And on that acronym, we wish you all a good night, a good week, a good weekend, and a good life. And we'll see you next week. Bye, bitches. <laughs>